This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Hello again and welcome to episode 8 of Totally Rank and I'm really excited because we're getting into the late 80s which means hair metal and uh, mall pop and lots of other fun things and so um, once again this is Scott Grimes steering the ship and once again for the second consecutive episode we have a Scott talking to a Scott 1986 uh, Scott Barber joined me we had a great episode but I had to go back to the well and go back to the beginning here and bring back our inaugural guest on Totally Rank, who requested this year all the way back when we did the first episode. So <laughs> I was able to keep the seat nice and warm and ready. Um, so again, you're getting two scotch tonight, but we're going back to the uh, the OG guest scot of Totally Rank, Mr. Scott Criscolo. Sir, how are you? And welcome back. Mr. Grimes, always a pleasure, sir. It's good to be with you. Um, there's an order of things that I love talking about on a podcast. Uh, number one will always be wrestling. Uh, number two sometimes is sports, but it depends on my team. But no one can ever shut me up when it talks about when I talk about music. And um, uh, this year in particular, which I will let you intro, uh, is probably. I mean, the '80s is my. I think I said this to you in our last pod that that my favorite artists' albums came out in the '70s. But I think the best decade of music, and I know. This is an ageist thing, but in my opinion, the best decade of music is the 80s. That's just my opinion. Uh, I think the 90s are good till about probably 97, and then I feel like it starts to teeter, and then don't even get me start anything after 2000. <laughs> good luck finding guests for that show. I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's always good to be with you, my man. I'm glad to be back. Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you. Like I said, you... you jumped all over this one when I started this show. You said, hey, I, I need 1987. And so I had that down and worked around it. Um, so I'm really excited because I know you have a lot to, to say about this particular year of music. And I know there's some specific albums, you know, and, and songs that came out this year that you're very passionate about. So, um, I, you know, I don't want to leave anyone in suspense any much longer. I say we just kind of get into it. Go from okay. there because you you and I could go for hours and let's try not to do that. So the quicker we start, <laughs> the quicker right. we'll get out of here. So um, exactly. as as always on Total Your Rank, guest goes first. Um, so kick us off with your number 10. All right. So my number 10, got to put the glasses on. My number 10 uh, is, I believe, let me look at my list quickly again, is my only song that's actually on a soundtrack. That doesn't mean that these songs were not in movies, but this is a song that was specifically on a soundtrack. So my number 10 song uh, is Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. Uh, okay. Uh, I love that song. It is, of course, off of the Mannequin soundtrack. Great Andrew McCarthy movie, which he got right out of one of my favorite movies of the 80s, Pretty in Pink. Um, and I like this song for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's catchy as heck. Um, number two, um, Starship has always had a weird, had a weird journey. Of course, they're one of the iconic, uh, 60s bands when they were Jefferson Airplane, uh, great songs, White Rabbit, Somebody to Love, etc. Kind of cruised into the 70s, changed to Starship. Um, great album to catch by Starship. Red Octopus has, uh, I think it came out in 76, I think, or 77. Killer songs on that album. Then they went into the 80s. 
And that's when the, the uh, shall we say, the creative divide started in the band. You had Mickey Thomas and Grace Slick who embraced the pop. And then you had the Paul Cantners who were like, I want to go back to smoking weed at Golden Gate Park with uh, Jerry Garcia. <laughs> so so um, after this song and, of course, the much more maligned um we built this city, which many consider the worst song ever. I, I used to bust my uh, bust my uh, uh, my uh, PTB weekend special co-host Dr. G because he loves that song, and I'm not a fan. But um, that's the that's the song that fractured the band. But I love this song. I think it's catchier. Uh, great '80s movies had great '80s soundtracks. I know. Uh, I'm sure 1986, of course. I'm sure you guys talked about Top Gun, arguably one of the greatest soundtracks ever. Um, and Mannequin was a catchy movie. Andrew McCarthy, Kim Cattrall, I don't remember who else was in it. But but this song's just got that kind of good pop groove. Um, and I think it was probably the last great Starship song. So I wanted to give it its props. And I never turn it off when it comes on Spotify or, or Sirius. So my number 10 is Starship's uh, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. I won't say anything because I have it higher on my list. So I will oh, refrain gotcha. yeah, okay. from for saying anything now because yes, okay. I'll, I'll have I'll be able to add to that later on in the episode. Great. So awesome. Off to a great start here. I remember yes. back in nineteen eighty we had a couple that we kind of agreed on. Um mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see in a year that's so it's kind of spread out, nineteen eighty seven, a lot of different genres. It'll yes. be interesting to see how our lists look here. Um yes. My number 10, I, I really struggled to try to figure out what to do with Michael Jackson. As as our many years in the 80s and, and previous mm. episodes, trying to limit your, to a certain amount of, you know, like when we I were know. talking about Thriller, it was, you know, you could have a, the whole top 10 be songs off of Thriller. And Pretty no much. One would, no one would bat an eye. And mm. so 1987, now we're talking the bad era. And so right. for me, it was... How many will I allow myself to do? Where will I place them? Which ones actually were released in 1987, which Mm -hmm. thankfully was able to narrow it down a little bit because there were a few from 1988 in the next episode that I'll get into. But I was trying to figure out, you know, what to do with Michael. And I I know I needed to have representation on the list. And, you know, my number 10 is bad by Michael Jackson. It's obviously it's a good song. It's the title track, of course, from the, you know, the follow up album, The Thriller, which, you know, if it weren't for Thriller, I think people would you know, talk about bad even more so. It, right, it, it's right. a terrific album. It's just unfortunately it followed up the highest selling album of all time. Right, um, right. But bad is is a really good song. It's not my favorite Michael Jackson song. I, I you know I think it's you know kind of bare bones. It's a shame. You know this was supposed to initially be a duet with Michael Jackson and Prince. This song and so who knows how <sighs> different that could have been or, or how different we're imagine? looking at that now. Could you seriously imagine? <laughs> Well, Prince think... didn't want to do it because he said it was too. It was weird to have two guys, you know, kind of going back and forth like that, like a, you know. Well, Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney did it. Paul McCartney <laughs> and Michael did it twice. So I exactly. I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, exactly, but I, I ah, think Prince, a yeah. rare, a rare creative whiff for you. I, man. I, I kind of feel like maybe he just felt like he would be overshadowed, and he didn't want yeah. to play yeah, second fiddle. A, yeah, that's a that's that's probably an ego thing. Probably for probably both guys, need, both probably need, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. but I mean it. I mean, just from the beginning of bad, doom, 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 
doom, doom. Like right from the beginning, you're hooked, right? And you're invested. And then when you add the music video in there, of course, just classic, iconic music video, kind of playing off the beat it video, right? Bringing back sort of the gang warfare. And, um, but it just seemed, it seemed, a little even grittier than beat it was right Mm -hmm. beat it was still michael was still kind of a little bit more wholesome and a little bit you know he was still kind of coming into his own right whereas now by this point 1987 he was a made man and so i I think it works a little bit better the kind of gang motif works a little bit better in this song and it goes better with bad that it just made sense uh and obviously you get you know classic michael with you know just really infectious verses and then a huge you know easy to sing along to chorus that everyone knows and is really easy you know that same formula that worked for the majority of his hits you know you get that here um and it's just a really fun song just something that has stood the test of time you know you play it for anyone they know what it is they're going to sing along they're going to sing the who's bad part you know um so that's it's a great song it's a great way to kick off i think a list like this again for me it's not going to win any like you know, top three, top two of, of 1987. I just think there are a lot of better songs. I think Michael even has better songs, but I, you're kind of remiss not to, to, to kind of have this somewhere. And when I was making my list, I had it as an honorable mention. And as I was thinking about it more, I was like, well, I think it's probably a better song than this one. So I had to move it up a little bit. So mm-hmm. that's my number 10, starting it off with the King of Pop. Not the last time you'll hear about the King of Pop on this episode, but wanted to start off with bad. Okay. Uh, I don't have any Michael on this list. On this list, they're all honorable mentions. I like Bad. I think yeah. Bad's an amazing album. Uh, it's not better than Thriller. Uh, I have Thriller on my wall. Um, uh, Thriller is framed on my wall. Um, it's not even my favorite. Uh, my favorite song on the album. My yes. favorite. I, I don't have any Michael, so I'm in my favorites. And then if you have, obviously, uh, I would probably say Dirty Dirty Diana. Uh, right? Is that on bad? I would, yeah. Do I get that right? Okay. Yep. I always get bad and dangerous sometimes. I, I, they, 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 they literally just it went right. Bad went right into dangerous. He did not take a break, so it's hard right. to differentiate which is which. Yeah. So I like Dirty Diana and I love Man in the Mirror. Those are probably my two favorite uh, uh, bad songs. Incidentally, on a side note, I probably have a very weird um, favorite thriller song. I wasn't on the '83 episode, of course. So I want to kind of get it in there. Um, if we ranked, if I was on the 83 episode, right? I guess it would be 83. Would you, had you considered Thriller 83 or 82? It, it, would, it would depend on the particular song. Like, cause it, okay. it, literally singles came out between 82 and 84 from Thriller. Right, so. exactly. Uh, my, my favorite Thriller song is probably Human Nature. Oh, I think that's my same. favorite. I think yeah. that's mine too. Yeah, I, I, I'd love that song. I feel like I'm a, I'm a creature of hating repetition. And I love, I mean, Billie Jean and Beat It or Billie Jean and Beat It, but when you like me, I was 10 years old. And when MTV after, after David Bowie or whoever threatened uh, Walter Yetnikoff threatened them to have more, obviously more black artists. That was a big uh, MTV yeah. thing in the eighties. Uh, then they overplayed it. I felt like Billy Gina beat it. We're on like every third video. But um, anyway, I, I, I didn't have any bad on my top 10, but love the song. Great groove, great album. Um, my favorite's probably dirty Diana and, uh, and man in the mirror, but uh, which are both songs, which are both songs that will probably be talked about on the next episode because I know both of those were released in '88. So in '88, and I, right? And I love both of those as well. So yeah, so great number, great number ten. I approve. Awesome song, awesome song. Right. Well, speaking of awesome songs, I'm sure your number nine will be as well. So let's let's hear it. All right. So my number nine uh, is a song that had an infamous video, a great video, played to death. 
from a great album by a band that was around for a long time, but didn't really, unless you were a metalhead like my brother was, my old, my, my second old, my old brother that's just, I had four siblings. My brother that's just older than me. I'm the baby. Um, unless you were a metalhead like him, you probably really didn't know much about him, about them until this album came out. So my number nine is Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. Okay, made my uh, honorable mentions. So good yeah, song. it's a tremendous song. Uh, that album is great. It's got two other hits on it that are on my honorable mention: "Still of the Night" uh, and "Is This Love." Uh, "Is This Love" would probably be on an '88 list. I think that one came out in like early '88. Uh, the video is very infamous because obviously, if you, if everyone remembers the video, David Coverdale's driving with his at the time girlfriend. I don't know if they ever actually got married. Uh, Tawny Katane. Uh, well before she beat the crap out of Chuck Finley with a frying pan. God rest in peace, Tawny. <laughs> Love you, Tawny. Witchboard, great movie. It's on my uh, shelf right here. Um, but the video, there's an infamous moment in that video where, uh, you know, uh, prepubescent, uh, testosterone-driven boys of the time should have noticed. Uh, there's actually a nip slip in that video. Uh, she's sitting on the car, and that infamous green dress she had like kind of pseudo popped open and right booby kind of slid a bit and everybody went oh my god and then of course everybody wanted to tape it and then they edited it so <laughs> of course but but of course but but uh you know all horniness aside uh it's an amazing song it was it, it really put white snake on the map again yeah. uh if you were a metal head like my brother was you probably knew white snake probably from the at their first album came out in like 77 or 78 because david coverdale was in um uh, not Black Sabbath. Um, uh, Deep Purple. Deep Purple. They were using yeah. Deep Purple. So I think their first album came out in like '78. Um, but, but if you were a metalhead, you knew them. If you were, you didn't until this album came out. And here I go again. It's just a great catchy tune that again hit the radio all the time. Yeah, sang the sang the heck out of it in the car, and it's Tony Katane. So uh, I think it's song a lot of people like. I know my PIC, Mr. Rosero, loves that song as well. So my number nine, White Snake, Here I Go Again. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, too. I think it was just kind of the perfect storm of everything. He had the Tawny Katane. It was just a catchy-as-hell song, easy to sing along to, and came out at the right time. This was the right yeah. time to release it, right? If they did this in the early 80s, it probably doesn't have the impact. No. So this, no. this was They were capitalizing, you know, there were a lot of other similar type of music and similar bands, if you want to call it hair metal, whatever you want to right. categorize it as, this was the time right. to do right. it. So it was like lightning in a bottle, kind of, a, you know, the perfect formula of everything. And this was so mainstream. This put, this really put Whitesnake on the map. And, and, you know, now we, I think we look at, we look at them differently, right? Without this song, you know, who knows if, if we're, we're sitting here even talking about Whitesnake at all, right? Because maybe they don't hit, they don't hit the mainstream at all without this song. And so, right. Yeah, just and it it really is a great song, really catchy, and it's one of those songs that I feel like over time it it still it still stands, like it's still you know you listen to it and you go you know what yeah this is still a good song. It kind of yep. stands the test. Where a lot of other songs you're you're nostalgic about, you're like this is kind of a fun song, and then you listen to it when you're older and you're like yeah this you know this really isn't that great. But right. This song still has it. I, I think yeah. this song aged well and still fun to sing along. I mean I've I've heard terrible renditions of this in karaoke yeah. bars. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. This, this is one yeah. of those songs. And yeah, it has everything you want, um, you know, in a rock song for the time. So quick thing you were saying about 
early in the eighties. I think the video helped. And I think if, oh, if yeah. that video, I don't think that video, I don't think the video is made like that in say 1982. I don't mm-hmm. think the video, I don't think the video, uh, and, and you know, if they made it and he wasn't going out with Tony Katane and it was just some rando girl, right. I don't, I don't just don't think the video would have had the same shimmy than that one did when they shot it in 1987. Cause I yeah. don't think they would have shot that video in 1982. I think exactly. And I probably would have just melded into like Ozzy and all the other metal, videos of the early 80s so good call on that i agree with you on that i think the timing was perfect in the decade for that yeah and i think it kind of had to be um but yeah it right. worked and and it's a great song this was probably my number 11 or 12 if if my list was expanded so yeah this was one of the first songs when i was like 87 okay white snake you know that that's one of the the first songs you think of when when right. someone says you're 1987 so yeah um, my number nine, I'm, you know, I started off with, with Michael and I'm going to continue with a Michael. This is a different Michael. Uh, my number nine is Faith by George Michael. Hmm. And, you know, this is, this is just a fun song. This is just, this is just a song yes. that everyone knows. Everyone can sing along to. It's got a lot of fun parts. It's, it's, it's similar in a way to what he did with Careless Whisper, where there's just so many different little parts of the song that are fun to sing along to. And it, it, you know, it changes a little bit. You know, you've got the beginning, which is fun. And, but as it goes on, as you get the, you know, into the second verse, the baby, like George Michael was great at that, at kind of transitioning you into a, a, a different part of the song, a different verse or a different, you know, the chorus of the song or a different bridge in a way that was really fun. And Faith has that too. And this is everyone can sing along to the song. Everyone knows I got to have faith. Every single person knows, you know, when you get to that part in the song, because I got to have faith. Everyone, you wait for it, which is sometimes sometimes it's unfortunate that you wait for it because what you're missing is a great lead up to it. You know, the vocals in that song are great, you know, like the way that he he delivers it. So people who wait for that, I got to have faith. Unfortunately, I feel like you miss the other great parts of that song, but I've always enjoyed the song as a whole. Um, You know, the verses I think are almost as good, if not better than the chorus. And so just a really fun song, Um, you know, Obviously, you know, a lot of George Michael in the in the, you know, mid to late 80s and some George Michael into the 90s. And so probably not the last time he'll be talked about, but maybe the last time for me, because I mean, I'm you know, Careless Whisper is is all time for me. And I love Faith and, you know, but as it goes on, obviously, you know, into the 90s, this stuff is not as as good. I was, you know, not as iconic, not as memorable, mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff in the 90s. And so. Right. Uh, this this is just a fun song. I felt like it had to be on my list. Just again, it's one that's kind of stood the test of time. It, it, you'll still hear it, you know, every now and then, yeah. and 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 it's a good song. People can sing along with it. This is one of those songs too. Like it's actually, if you're not really paying too much attention to it, it's like kid friendly. You could throw this on in the car, you know, and kids can kids can get a kick out of that. Got to have faith part. That's that's you know, kind of easy singing with that. So this, you know, I, I'm always a fan of something that you can kind of throw on on a family road trip and everyone can kind of get a little, a little fun out of it. Right. And this is one of those songs for me. So I had to have it on my list. Again, wasn't going to threaten the top five or anything like that. Cause I think there's a lot better from this year, but I wanted to give it its due. So faith, my number nine. Um, <laughs> uh, faith is probably like one of my top five favorite albums of this decade. Uh, and definitely from this year. Uh, I do have a song from that album on my list. That one's not it. Uh, mine, if you, as you could probably figure out, is not very kid friendly. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think you know what I'm talking about. Well, but that that song's coming up in a couple. I love Faith. Um, I want to talk about the album for a sec as well because you kind of led into it because that's the title track. Yeah. Uh, I love Faith. I think Faith is a great song. It's um, 
it, it helped George mature as an artist because I like Wham. I'm totally, totally not ashamed to say it. I, I'll be honest. When I hear Jitterbug, yeah. When I hear when I hear that on on Sirius eighties on eight, I turn it up. It's catchy. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. How do you not wake me up before you go? It's a great song. Careless Whisper. Ask Jr. about how much we love Careless Whisper. Um, yeah, great songs, great songs. Wham and Faith. Faith was George's like, all right, I'm getting out of the poppy thing and kind of I'm going to be yeah. a little more serious. Um, you know, I, yeah, I got the pretty smile and the fluffy hair, but now I'm going to grow the Scott and Scott beard and <laughs> uh, and get down to and, and get a little and get a little dirty. Um, Faith is not, though. <clears throat> that was a great pick by you. Faith is a uh, it's kind of a kind of a catchy, almost inspirational song in some strange ways. Yeah. Um Another song I want to mention. You said you didn't have any more George on it, so I feel comfortable. Yeah, no more George. Yep. I didn't have. I don't have this song on my list, but it's actually my favorite song on the album. But I think iconically, the song, uh, the, the song, the two songs you and I have are probably more iconic. But people just, if there's any song on on that album besides Faith and the song I'm going to pick later that you need to listen to, it's Father Figure. That yes. song is amazing. That song is outstanding, and uh, it's just again good rhythm. You know, soulful, velvety lyrics by George. Um, it's a fantastic song. Uh, did not on my list. Did not make my list either. But I love Faith. Love that pick. Um, I think it was a good song to kind of bring George into the into the next chapter of his career. You're right. Sadly, his issues with his record label and everything. Uh, Listen without prejudice is a solid album. I love Freedom. Uh, but after that, I think his issues with the record label and all that kind of kind of put him down like this it was kind of unfortunate yeah but faith is a tremendous album i love your pick um it's a good opening it's the first song on the album it's the opening track yeah. uh and uh i concur uh great song to, to listen to it reminds you of that late 80s and again uh one of the reasons i picked 1987 is because i was going from eighth grade into my freshman year in high oh, school yeah. and so that summer uh there was a lot of George Michael being made at the pool at, at all of our friends' pools. So, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that was big about music I liked in 1987 was it's got to be when you're younger and you're not girly, you're not into into girls yet. You're like, ah, who cares? I like the heavy stuff. But then you're like, oh, she's cute. I'm playing George Michael. Uh, you know, you, you had to, you had to adapt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and I and so great pick. I love Faith. Faith's a great song. Um, I have another George song that uh that's a little higher up um that i'll talk about when i get there but i love faith and it's a fantastic album for those yeah. that haven't listened to it in a while or never have it is it is my in both i think in both i'm not to speak for scott but both our opinions probably his magnum opus uh yes. it's the best thing he ever did and uh i i highly recommend it to anybody it's a tremendous album tremendous album yeah couldn't couldn't agree more um terrific endorsement from the both of us on george michael um yes. and we'll move on with your number eight all right my number eight uh all right um i could have picked anything <laughs> because every song on this album is amazing and but i wanted to pick the one that was kind of most popular and i did like it there's songs i like on it a little more but they didn't hit the mainstream as much i think this is the perfect snapshot of this these guys and this album i have a feeling you're gonna have something from this album as well my number eight is fight for your right by the beastie boys uh we talk about great 
albums of 1987, groundbreaking albums of 1987. And if you have any sense of music at all, and I know you definitely do, sir, as do I, and all of our, all of your listeners, License to Ill, if you have any love of rap or hip-hop at all, License to Ill is an album you listen to. It's uh, To me, I felt the same way years later when I first listened to uh, uh, Dre's Chronic. Same thing. I was blown away when I first heard it. License to Ill is amazing. Um, I remember hearing uh, a, so- a, a, a sample song that they did a couple years earlier called Cookie Puss, which is pretty much about a guy calling for a Carvel cake. <laughs> and 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 I think it's Mike D is calling. He's like, I want some cookie puss. And it's the whole conversation <laughs> that led into a song about the cake and the ice cream cone nose. Um, but when I heard License to Ill, and I mean, I just, I just was, I didn't know what to make of it, you know. Um, and that album is just fantastic. Uh, amazing songs. No Sleep Till Brooklyn, which I almost put on here. I would put that in my, in my, uh, my uh, honorable mention. I love No Sleep Till Brooklyn. I love Paul Revere. Um, uh, she's Crafty. Girls. Brass Monkey, which is a drink my mom used to like. I think it's funny. <laughs> they did a song that my mom used to drink, Brass Monkey. But <laughs> no, nah, License to Ill is just a groundbreaking album for that year. Um, at a time when rap was really starting to, to peak up and, and yeah. Run DMC was killing it. Um, and now you got three white guys uh, from, from Queens that came out of nowhere and buck trends and put out just as great an amazing rap album um and fight for your right had a great video the two guys oh, yeah. those nerdy guys will have soda and pie i hope <laughs> no bad people show up and then King had rock kicks the door in and it's just chaos um great song amazing song amazing video uh amazing album cover uh yeah which if, if for those that don't know it's the it's the it's the end of the plane and uh <laughs> dirty dirty if you look at the uh scott's smiling because he knows what i'm about to say uh if you put the uh album in the mirror the uh like the the out uh, the uh flight or the plane number spells out eat me that's mature uh <laughs> but but uh listen amazing song groundbreaking album one of many in 1987 uh and i had to put it on my list so fight for your right at number eight yeah, you, you hit the nail, several nails on the head there. I think the first one being is one of the reasons I'm so excited to get into the late 80s and into the 90s is because of hip hop, because there hasn't been a lot of hip hop on lists to this point. And for right. obvious reasons, right? It just wasn't mainstream enough yet. There really wasn't right. a, a lot to go off of on, you know, if you're, right. if I say to someone, hey, we're doing, you know, top 10 songs of 1985 it's not likely that a hip hop song is going to pop into someone's head immediately. And if you go and do independent research and you look at charts, you're not really going to see any hip hop songs on, on charts in that time either. And so right. I'm really excited to sort of rip off that bandaid and get into more hip hop as this, as the show continues. And right. this is one of the catalysts for that, this album, it, you know, is is really put, put rap on, on everyone's sort of radar, right? That mm-hmm. That's what this did on everyone's radar. The second thing is, Fight for your right, just capitalize. We, you know, I talked about it with White Snake, sort of using the moment, but this capitalized on pretty much an entire movement. This this hit a specific demographic of people who were sort of ready to rebel, 
right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the late 80s. This is, you know, you're like Cold War and there's just a lot of things in the world are, are changing, right? You got the AIDS, right. you know, and, and endemic and everything that's happening. Like this was a perfect sort of angsty, rebellious, you know, yep. you mentioned kind of the, the the eat me and just that almost like that sort of Bart Simpson like sort of culture, right? Of of just these mm -hmm. kind of bonehead, Beavis and butthead type, you know, caricatures. <laughs> yep. Like that's what yep. this is. And and that there was such a, a an avenue for that. And mm -hmm. there was there really wasn't that representation in music though. If you were kind of a rebellious, let's say fourteen year old kid at the time, right? Mm -hmm. White kid, and you're you know, you got all this angst and all of a sudden you see three guys that look like you who are kind of talk like you and, and are, you know, rapping about things that make sense to you like yeah i want to party as well and i'll fight for my right to do it i'll do whatever it takes so that i can party right and some of the things they were saying talk about man again just capitalizing on the right place right time for for license to ill that that's exactly what happened there i you know i'm 34 um i turned 35 in august and so you know obviously it I, i'm a little you know younger than the mm -hmm. typical beastie boys sort of crowd and the, right. you know the fanboy so i'm not i wouldn't call myself like a huge fan just because again kind of missed it right by the time i got into hip-hop it was 1997 1998 and it was a whole different you know east coast west coast and and you know the the beast the days of the beastie boys were you know with the exception of obviously like intergalactic and some of the stuff they put out you know later on but mm -hmm. I, you know i i'm really glad you have it on your list because they have to be talked about and, yeah. and, and oh, yeah. especially this album specifically if they don't come up again and but as long as we talked about license to ill then that's that's completely fine with me because this is the one that needs to be spoken about and mm -hmm. so you know and a lot of people you know that i do podcasts with you know are in that exact sort of beastie boys demographic and so i know that you know listener wise people yeah I, I would i would probably get shunned if if there was no beastie boys at all on a 1987 music episode so i'm glad that you you know had them on your list because they absolutely need to be represented it's not my personal cup of tea just because i wasn't there you know and and i you know sure. again as much as i i like to consider myself somewhat of a musical historian i love to go back and you know and learn about the history totally. of music so i i completely respect it and and uh, certainly understand the importance and the impact and how meaningful it was just not my personal cup of tea when it comes to hip-hop because when i got into hip-hop it was a completely different style right it was biggie oh, it was oh, jay-z yeah. it was you know, so you know right, eminem right. so yeah. you know it was definitely a lot different so, mm -hmm. so not, not not my my niche not what i look for in hip-hop but completely completely 100 percent understand what it did and the lasting impact and um so glad that you had it on the list hmm. yeah uh, I like your thinking of uh, it, it is something that's that's uh, that transcended. And, you know, and they, of course, would put out Paul's Boutique and then yep. and then uh, check your head and then everything after that. So they now they they definitely fit in well as they got into the 90s when the sound did change uh, immensely. And uh, whoever does your 92 episode, or I think it came out. Yeah, yeah. Whoever does your 92 episode when you talk. I mean, ultimately, someone will mention, uh, uh, you know, Dre's chron the chronic because of course same kind of album same kind of album same kind of effect it had at that moment in time so um yeah no I totally I totally agree with you yeah I mean it, yeah and that, that's that's exactly what's going to happen is I will be talking about the chronic when we get to, to 1992 for sure so definitely looking forward to that um man my number eight I don't I, I don't know that there's going to be a bigger sort of difference on the end of the spectrum between two or two of our numbers here, between your number eight and my number eight. Um, 
you know, I talked about this in my 1986 episode, um, you know, with, with Scott Barber is this was also, again, hair metal was on the rise. Hip hop mm-hmm. was on the rise and something else was on the rise. And I talked about it when I ranked, when I probably ranked the song two of hearts too high on in 1986 is that sort of mall pop. Um, so my number eight mm-hmm. is Tiffany. And I think we're alone now, <laughs> which like, I don't want it to be in my top 10, but then <laughs> the more I listened to it, I was like, I think it has to be like, I just really dig this song. It's just really catchy. It's so simple, right? It's so easy, but it just, it just works. Um, and it, there was just, I just have a real soft spot for that sort of that Tiffany sort of Stacy Q Debbie Gibson type of, of genre of this, just like, let's go, you know, tour around the world and go to every mall imaginable and sing this bubblegum pop music. That's like, that's very, very catchy. It doesn't really mean anything. The, you know, you're not winning any awards for lyricism <laughs> by any means, no. uh, you know, no. but the songs are just damn catchy and I can't, Mm-hmm. I can't not sing. These are earworms. And I, I think We're Alone Now is, is one of those songs. And I remember as a kid, you know, watching like VH1 pop-up video, this, I think We're Alone Now was on like every episode of pop-up video. And it's, so it's like, this is something that's been just in my head probably for 25 years, just from listening to it, uh, you know, as a six-year-old with my mom on, on VH1 pop-up video. So I just, I just think it's a fun song. Again, a year of many different genres and a lot of different things. And then this is something completely different than hair metal. This is completely different than Beastie Boys. Completely different than Michael Jackson. You know, completely different avenue. But it's just something that I like and that I enjoy. Um, and so I, I knew it had to have a place on my list because, like, if you put that on right now, I, I can't. I'm, I'm gonna move to it. I'm gonna, you know, bop to it. I'm gonna sing along. I just, I can't not with this song. Like, it's just so fun. Um, and then it's like it also kind of has, uh, you know, a, a soft spot in my heart too for all you How I Met Your Mother fans out there. This is basically the creation of Robin Sparkles and that whole sort of, you know, yes. storyline on on that show. That yep. Robin Sparkles is basically Tiffany, right? Like, you know, Tiffany in Canada. Yep. Yeah, that's basically what that is, and so that kind of gives it a new life for me as well. Um, so any anything that connects to How I Met Your Mother is going to get extra points for me, and so that's what bumped it up to number eight. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh. I don't have it on my list. Uh, I love. Didn't think I you like would. Tiffany. I, I, I know. <laughs> but, but <clears throat> listen, uh, I got to go back to and I. It, you're, you're, you're not wrong about it being catchy. I'm sorry if you if you're gonna sit there and tell me that you grew up and and you didn't even grow up in that era. So I, even, I you're even more respected as a music fan for not even being alive uh, <laughs> in in uh, in 1987. Um, you there was like because a lot of people have said you're either in the Michael camp or you're in the Prince camp. Uh, same one said you're either in the Tiffany camp or you're in the Debbie camp. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Debbie, Debbie got lucky. Uh, I don't say lucky. That's not fair. Uh, Debbie was probably a little, Debbie Gibson was probably a little bit more widespread. Tiffany was more yeah. like a uh, diamond in the rough. Uh, and, you know, I think we're alone now as a cover. So I think that yeah. was a test song for her, it's, but she killed it. Um, I like sh- uh, could have been is I think yeah. actually uh, it might be might be one of my favorite uh like ballads of the back end of the decade. Uh, she she was like the girl's girl, you know, and and uh my mall that I that I grew up near in Milford, Connecticut. Uh, she was there. Uh, not the day I was not a day I was there, but I know my <laughs> I know at least six girls in my eighth grade class uh went. 
and stood there at the mall and watched her sing. Um, no, it's it's another one of those tunes that, again, if you grew up in that era, you left it, you put it, and it comes on 80s on 8 right now on Sirius XM, you're leaving it on. Sorry, it's just the way it is. And it's a shame that that her career didn't blossom uh, more than it, it should have. Uh, Debbie Gibson, you know, she lasted a few more albums and then she just got older, you know. When you're in your 20s and singing that, not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, um, so she, I mean, she, she did outlast Tiffany a little bit, but that's a song that's, that, that stands the test of time for anybody that was in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, early high school in 1987, because you heard it on the radio. And if you had a mall within an hour of your house, she was going to be there. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember uh, go, a bunch of us going to the mall, uh, my mall, and seeing the sign. You know, here next Saturday at one o'clock, Tiffany ah, and all the girls went back. We didn't, but my, my guys, my crew and I didn't. But of course, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, no, I think it's a great it's a great song with a great catchy hook that a lot of a lot of people listen to and uh, added to the mystique of that bubbly pop that would yeah. go into that. Listen, would, would be duplicated a decade later with uh, Britney. Yep. And Christina and Jeannie in a bottle and and you know so it was it was it happens it happens in one decade and then it happens in the in the next decade it's just the way it goes so Tiffany and Debbie Gibson were precursors to what you would get in the nineties with Debbie with uh, you know with uh, Brittany and 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 Christina uh, great pick man don't get don't be embarrassed you 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 support no. that pick and defend it man don't Listen. let anybody tell you different. And I'm glad you brought that up, too, because, you know, when I make these lists, I am trying to have some variety, right? I do want to to have a little something for everyone. And there hopefully there are people that listen to this that, you know, that were in the Tiffany camp, you know, and, and then, mm-hmm. you know, yep. or, or, or someone will say, wow, I haven't thought about that song in, you know, X amount of years. And if that's the case and they go back and you listen to it, well, then I'm glad it was on my list and you're welcome. And so, right. you know, I, I, I do try to, you know, I... I consider myself to be pretty eclectic in my music taste, especially in the eighties. I think if you're a fan of eighties music, you kind of have to be eclectic because there was everything. And yeah, if, exactly. If, if you pigeonhole yourself, you're just missing out on a decade of incredible music by, you know, sticking to one genre, if that's your thing. And so, yeah, I, I like to have a list that kind of anyone can listen to this episode and say, there's, there's something right. for everyone on here. And so I, I, you know, yes, it's a very, this is a very niche sort of genre, but you know what? It was a thing. It happened. And I thought it was good at the time. So. Good. Good. That's where we're at. We're starting to get, yeah, we're starting to get into, uh, you know, we're into our sevens now, um, seven left for both of us. And I know there's huge, huge heavy hitters. So I'm interested to see how many we have that are shared and, and where we have different things placed. So go ahead and, okay. uh, you know, let's roll with the All number right. seven. All right, at number seven, uh, again, another iconic song from an iconic album by an iconic band. Um, this band had amazing albums in the 70s. They're one of my favorite bands, and my favorite album from them is in the 70s. Drugs ruined them. Uh, and then they got back together, put out an album in 1985 that did okay, but didn't do what they... Uh, what it wanted to do. And then uh, they ran into hip hop um, and uh, a, a, a legendary hip hop band uh, remade one of their songs with their own special. I think you guys know where I'm going with it uh, with a little taste of themselves. 
And then they put out this album in 1987, and then they went back to being heavyweights. So my number seven is Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith from one of the greatest albums of that year and of the decade, Permanent Vacation. Permanent Vacation was the album. Yeah. Permanent Vacation was the album that got Aerosmith back on the map. Uh, 1985, Done With Mirrors came out. It was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. I own it. It's listenable, but it's evident they weren't quite back to the Aerosmith that they were in the Toys in the Attic rocks years of yeah. the mid-70s before the drugs just lost all control. Then they did, then Run DMC did Walk This Way. Aerosmith embraced it instead of poo-pooed on it like most classic rock bands do. And they got back into the... Uh, the mainstream and then they put this album out uh my favorite song in this album is angel but they hate that song and they've never played it live and i've seen them <laughs> i've seen them seven times i've seen aerosmith seven times and they never play angel and i love angel this song i obviously most people most younger generations know this song because it was in mrs doubtfire i was gonna uh, bring that up <laughs> yep mrs doubtfire Not a, scene. yeah um but it's just, it's a great song, great album, uh, solid video. Uh, Rick Kalodner, their director, is in, the director of the videos in it, and they're uh, dressed in the, in the uh, bride gown. Yeah. Um, but this was the album that got them back. And then two years later, uh, Pump comes out in 89, and, and then the, yeah. the, the floodgates open. So I wanted to pick the most popular song. This was an earworm that I definitely, like, and got to, like, ragdoll and some other stuff, Hangman Jury, the title track, Permanent Vacation. But this is one that that was the one that that after the the walk this way, this got them back on radio and back to being Aerosmith. So I had to put it on here because it's an album I love. It's one of the albums of the of this year that that always makes me smile uh, and brings back memories. So my number seven, dude, looks like a lady by Aerosmith. Yeah, once again, I agree with you. I think Angel would, is my favorite song from the album, but I, I, I agree Dude Looks Like a Lady is is the one that people, I think, go back to more than Angel, right? I, yep. I would say, the you know, the majority of, of people, you right. know, if, if you're not a diehard, then, you know, this is the one. And again, I, I do think Mrs. Doubtfire has a lot to do with that. It's I, such uh, yeah. a, such yeah. a terrific scene. And, the, you know, the guy tries to mug her and <laughs> just just a great, great scene there. Perfect, perfect song for the for a scene like it matched it perfectly was you yeah know, great for aerosmith and like you said you know walk this way and then into this album is, is what was able to keep them going without this who knows right who knows if they if they ever get back to to you know really being in the mainstream you know without mm. without this album without walk this way which would be a shame because then we never would have gotten what comes after and right. there's a lot of great things obviously yet to come with with aerosmith through that i mean through the 80s, 90s, and in the 2000s. So, you know, I, I anticipate there's going to be a lot more Aerosmith as this show continues to go along because they, yep. you know, are they're, they're, those guys are still around. Like, they, they, you know, they're, they're right. the cockroaches of, of classic rock bands. <laughs> at this point. Like they, they just can't go away. Um, but yeah, that excellent song. Like you said, an earworm. So catchy, extremely. And, and just like a fun song that was, you know, and, and obviously a much different time. You know, yeah. now, you know, you're, you probably can't release a song now, you know, with the way the culture is now and, and mm. probably can't release a song called, you know, Dude Looks Like a Lady. Um, but for that time, just just excellent. Mm -hmm. per right. Perfect song. Really fun. 
completely understand why it's on your list. It was in my honorable mention. So yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing but respect for, for Aerosmith, for that song, for that album. I do love Angel. It is a shame that you've seen them seven times and never got to experience And they don't want to, and, and every band member except Steven loves, hates that song. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's unfortunate, <laughs> but yeah. So no, that's, it's a great pick. Um, Aerosmith, the great band, band I, I very, very much enjoy. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, no hate on that. As as opposite as our number eights were, our number sevens are not so opposite because I also chose a classic song from a classic band from a classic album this year. Um, a band that I again I know will continue to be talked about in upcoming episodes as well because this is kind of their jump start. And then we talk about floodgates again opening for this band that kind of happened, um, but a lot of it pretty much started here. My number seven is "Welcome to the Jungle" by Guns N' Roses, which. Again, may not be my favorite song from the album, but is is such a classic song and such a recognizable song that it's hard to not choose this one for the list because it, I mean, it's everywhere. This song is everywhere. This song's on video game soundtracks. This song's on TV shows, movies. I, you can't escape this song. It, it's it's everywhere. I mean, just from the very beginning, the way that it starts. My high school football team. This was the you know the the fight song that they they'd run out to at the beginning of the game. So I would hear this mm-hmm. every Friday night in high school with the football team. And so this song has just never escaped me from the first time I heard it. It's still stuck in my head and will probably always be. And I mean, Axel Rose just goes to town on this song. He really just has his way with with this song vocally, uh, doing anything he wanted to do with his voice on this song. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you know this song. <laughs> I promise you. If if you're not listening to this podcast, you know this song. I promise you, because everybody <laughs> knows this song. It's just that cl- classic. It's that iconic of a song, and it's that recognizable from pretty much right from the beginning of the song that yeah. it, I... I, I I just, I, it's such a great song. I, I don't even just, just go listen to it. If you're listening, just go listen to Welcome to the Jungle. Pause this, put, listen to Welcome to the Jungle, and then come back um, because it, it's that good. Of, and I promise you for the next three days, you'll be humming Welcome to the Jungle or singing it, you know, full voice, depending on what you prefer. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. at the laundromat or something like I've done <laughs> definitely in my life. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Guns N' Roses, great band that I really, really enjoy. Happy to have them on my list. I know they'll be on my list again in upcoming episodes. And so I won't say everything about Guns N' Roses because I want to save some for future episodes. But Welcome to the Jungle, my number seven. Uh, I will withhold because they are quite higher. All right. Um, And I've got more than enough to say about <laughs> the song and them and that album so i will with i will withhold but i thumbs i thumbs you up sir uh perfect but i will i will withhold all right gonna, you'll pull the ripcord on me when i get to that so i, I will i will I'll, I'll put a timer i'll give you like five minutes <laughs> <laughs> I, I want the be- i want the extended album cut like okay <laughs> yeah, okay yeah yeah Eleven and a half. No. <laughs> if you're listening to this, I apologize. We're now under no, Guns no. N' Roses extended cut uh, exactly. rules. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. All right, so we'll get back to that one later. So let's just yep. go into your number six. All right, my number six. Uh, we already talked about uh, this artist and this album and this album. Uh, you already had a song, uh, as you said, uh, it was your G-rated song. Uh, yes. Your song was the mine. Is not the G-rated song. <laughs> My number six is George Michael, 
I want your sex uh, from Faith. Um, it was the first song I heard. Actually, I heard this song before I heard Faith, actually. Um, holy cow. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, sex is natural. Sex is good. Not everybody does it, but everybody should. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> this isn't a song. You're like, should I? And I'm like, and I'm 14 years old. I'm like, all right. <laughs> if you say so, advice, George Michael. Um, <laughs> oh my God, what a song. Um, and again, I think it, it, it to us, as you mentioned earlier with Faith, just dictates how amazing and transcending that song, that album was for George Michael and for us as listeners. Yeah. Um, how he got out of the poppy wham phase and went into this. And oh my, I don't think you were going to wake up before you go, go. And then hear this. That's <laughs> totally two different, <laughs> like two different yeah. planets. That was two different planets. But uh, I, that song to me, I love faith, love faith. The difference between the two songs, faith is just a good soulful kind of, you know, that was the song that kind of told everyone the guy could sing. He's got a good groove. It's great lyrics. This was the, I'm getting your attention. I got to get your attention. Yeah. Then we'll go from there. And uh, this song was played at poolside at, well, it wasn't played at dances, not at my school anyway. No. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, it was one of those songs that, that you did, you, you couldn't turn off. It's kind of like, it's kind of like me so horny, <laughs> you know, but you're like, it's like, uh, I, what am I listening to? This is, this yeah. is ridiculous. You don't know but, what you're listening to, but you don't want to stop. But you don't want to stop listening. It's it's like it's like driving by a car crash. You're like, that's gross. But drive slower. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it's a, it's a great catchy song. Very catchy song. Uh, suggestive lyrics. Uh, another song that I guess, depending on your point of view, may have aged well, may not have aged well. I don't know. I guess it depends yeah. on what how, depends on how you think. But you can't you can't deny that that's the song had a lasting impact, and it got people to listen to him and listen to that album. So I that that's one of the main reasons why I was thinking of which song to put on my list. I had faith in my head, but I said, you know what? As salacious as this track is, mm-hmm. I think it got people to listen to Faith top to bottom and realized, wow, this is a damn good album. Yeah, this yeah. song is this song is like really awesome. But this is a damn good album. So he was not stupid in making an album that was suggestive. And then you keep listening to the album. And you buy Faith. See, here's the thing. He's not stupid. I, I want your sex is, I think, like the fourth track. You buy Faith, and the first song is Faith. It's Faith. So, I want your sex, number six. Yeah. That, what What did Eric Bischoff say? His book, Controversy Creates Cash. That's yep. that's what this was, right? I mean, that's totally. that, That's exactly what this was, like you said. Yeah, he he knew what he was doing. This, this was a diabolical move, right, by, by George Michael. And exactly... Yes. What, what he should have done. All yep. I remember from this song, the first time I heard it, was sex is natural, sex is good. Not everybody does it, but everybody should. Everybody should. That's all I remember from. And <laughs> not that's the line, but it's it's sang in such a catchy way, too, that makes you want to sing. You remember. Right. Not right. this one-off where, oh, I heard it. No, you, you continue to, to sing it because it's he says it in such a catchy way. It's almost like when you, compl- or when you insult someone with a smile on your face. Right. Oh yeah, it's, kill him with kindness. You know, totally. Yeah, it, it, you know, yep. it's, I'm telling you something you probably shouldn't hear, but I'm singing it in such sort of a fun, whimsical way that yep. it makes it, it makes you believe that it's okay that I'm singing this and that you're right. hearing it. 
And that's and I remember my best friend and I, uh, I think we, you know, listened, heard the song once and we were in high school. And then for like the next week, we just kept singing that, that, that just that line. And we're just like, you know, yeah, I get, I, well, if he says it, then, you know, it's got to <laughs> be true. true. <laughs> George wouldn't lie to us. No. So yeah, you got to have faith. <laughs> so. yeah, right. Exactly. So this, so. yeah, this is the man that told us he wasn't going to dance again. Like, you know, we, we obviously, yep. you know, what he says goes. And so, yeah, this is. Like I, you you know, use the perfect word salacious, and it's it's such an interesting song because it has had its ups and downs, and it's had a roller coaster of you know, it's very obviously you know, sort of uh, you know, pro sex, and and that was great around the time there was a lot of like sexual liberation. Then it kind of gets into nineties, and you're like, well, we don't, you know, we probably shouldn't do that, you know. Then color me bad comes out, with, you know, with, 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 you know, a different song about sex that that gets really big, and then you know, sort of. I think by the late nineties, then it's kind of like these songs are almost persona non grata. You don't bring them up, and now we're in an age again where sexual liberation is is kind of looked at positively again. And so this song has a lot of it, the life cycle to this song, and the message is yep. really interesting. You know, it's really kind of run the the gamut of of you know, it's appropriate, it's not appropriate, it's positive, it's negative. So there's a lot behind that, and it carries a lot of weight. And that's something like that keeps the song relevant as well. You know, if if right. it yeah. continues to kind of come up every, you know, every you know five to ten years as society changes, and this is a song you kind of go back to, well, then you did something right. You know, if it's right. So excellent choice, you know, again, two completely different George Michael songs that have made our list collectively here, but both equally deserving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we'll just move on. My number six, this is probably, this is a song that, you know, I started making this list. I didn't expect this song to be this high, but the more I listened to it, and I mean, this is a song, I didn't really have to listen to it a lot because I've heard this song so many times, but just every time I listen to it, I, I just get reminded of, of how much I love this song and how much I enjoy it and how fun it is. Um, and it, again, one of those songs that just has a lot of sort of fun, different areas of the song, you know, it starts off fun, the chorus is really fun, then you get sort of this bridge, you know, towards the end, you know, it's a lot of fun to sing. So um, I'm a big New Jack Swing guy. Love, love New Jack Swing. Um, again, another genre of music that was really kind of starting to take off in the, you yeah. know, in the late eighties. I mean, a yep. couple more years, I think, until it, it's really at the forefront. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, right around this time, the, um, you know, an album came out called Heartbreak. I get technically it's called Any Heartbreak, New Edition Heartbreak. Um, had some absolute bangers on it, some terrific songs. Uh, so I wanted to choose the one that was actually released in uh, nineteen eighty seven from this album, and that is. If it isn't love by New Edition, which is just so catchy, it's just such. If it isn't love, why do I feel this way? Like you just can snap to it, you can clap to it. It's kind of it's got a really easy tempo, to, but it's it's just so catchy. It makes you want to move. The, you know, it's sung really well. Ralph Tresvant, I think, a, like such an underrated frontman um, and lead singer. Uh, you know, doesn't get talked about enough in the pantheon of of you know whether you want to call them boy bands or groups or whatever you want to call them lead singers. Like, I mean, he does just a great job on this song. You know, this album was when they brought in Johnny Gill, so they were new edition was maturing as a band, and I so like you kind of hear that they still have some of that. This song still has a little bit of that sort of bubblegum pop element, that candy girl sort of element to it. But as you listen to more songs on the album, you start to think, oh, you know, these aren't these aren't 13 year old kids anymore, you know, singing about Mr. Telephone Man. 
you know, these are, you know, these are young men now. And so that album sort of has that, that grittiness to it, almost like a, like a kind of miniature version of George Michael, where it's like, okay, we kind of, we gave you this thing, you know, but now we're a little bit more rough around the edges. And so, but if it isn't love, it's just, it's just so fun. Just, just the beat itself, just, it's infectious and just makes you want to enjoy the song from the minute it comes on. And so this is one I go back to all the time. I continue to listen to it. Love the new edition. Love this song. If it isn't love, my number six, if you don't know this song, it's probably not, I would say in their two or three, you know, sort of biggest songs, right? So if you're not a big fan, you may not be too familiar with this song, but if you're not, listen to it. Cause it's a lot of fun. They do a great job. Um, they'll be on, my 1988 list for sure with one of their bigger songs, but I, I really enjoyed this one. I wanted to have it on my list. And I'm going to assume that one of the guys in the band will be on your 1989 list for oh, that album, which is amazing. Um, a uh, good, uh, good pick. I did not have this song on my list. Uh, I got to listen to that album more. I haven't listened to it in a long time. Good album. Uh, yeah. I love, I love, I love New Edition. I, lo- I love Candy Girl. Yeah. Just another kitschy group. Good, good band of guys. But you're right. They were getting to the point now, and it probably gave you a, an inkling that uh, they probably weren't going to be together too much longer because yeah. they probably uh, they were they were getting to the point where they were older and they all wanted to branch off and of course Bobby would come out with one of the most iconic albums of the late 80s early 90s which I'm sure you'll talk about in the, the 89 episode. Oh yeah. Um uh yeah, I got I I I honestly I don't have that much to say. I think it's a it's a great song. It's a good album. Um uh I think they were they they gave that uh they they were kind of they got out of the bubble. You were right about getting out of the bubble gummy thing and kind of yeah. sounding a lot more mature. Something that they would do when they, you know, when they would be separated. And then, of course, Belbiv Devoe would come along and kind of right. up the ante a little bit. But they were older. Uh, I got, I got to listen to that album again. You, you've kind of got me. You got me to to do some homework because I haven't listened to that album in a long time, and and uh, I got to get it back in my head because I love New Edition and and I thought those guys were great. I love, like I said, I love the album in '85. I love Candy Girl. Um. I knew you were going to do this to me, Grimes. I knew you were going to get me <laughs> to listen to do some uh, some listening homework. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, I applaud you. It's a great, a great pick. Solid, uh, solid song on a great album. So I, I, I thumbs yeah. up on that because you're making me do homework. Good. And I like and it. I, music. And homework I hope, my, yeah. music homework's my favorite. And I and I yeah, yeah exactly and I hope you do because it really is it's a good album because you have Johnny Gill you get a it's, you know you get a lot you know because he takes lead on some songs Ralph takes the lead on some of the songs you know you still get a little bit of the you know um, you can hear a little bit of early Bell Bib DeVoe as well you know kind of that style right. in there so you're you know you're getting a little bit of everything they they all got to I think showcase a little bit you know as they were kind of making this album knowing I think that. They were all kind of going in a different direction. They wanted to be able to showcase it. You know, Ralph wanted to showcase what he could do before he went off and did sensitivity and, and, you know, kind of did his, his solo stuff and same with Johnny. So yeah, it's a good album. Um, Yeah. And anyone who's not familiar with it, I'd say seek out the entire album, but specifically if it isn't love, I think is one of the more fun songs on, on the album. Mm. Um, And that's going to bring us to our, our top five and man, I, I'm really excited to see how this goes because I know that you have Welcome to the Jungle somewhere. You know that I have Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now somewhere. So now we just got to figure out what other songs are in there. So go ahead yep. and kick it off. All right. <laughs> You're going to hate me for this one, actually. Um, my number five <clears throat> is a song that 
I actually like a lot, even though it became the butt of jokes for many, many years after. But it's uh, it's a song that I remember playing on the radio a lot, thinking, you know what? This is a good a good little pop tune. And the guy had the guy had a couple a couple of hits after this song. But obviously, this is the song that he'll forever be remembered for. And it's a good little tune, even though it is, you know, it's memes and such. So I hate to say this to you, Scotty. I know where it's going. Okay. Your show's been Rickrolled. <laughs> my number five is Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. It's I in my honorable thinking, mention, so it, I, I'm not I'm not. I know hating. you're thinking, five? What is wrong? Click. End of call. <laughs> you know what, though? But it's one of the most well-known songs on this entire list between the two of us, so. It is. It, it, I mean, yes, it's it's a goofy song. Well, at least later on when, when YouTube, you know, kind of took it and pooped on it. But yeah, listen, it was a hit. Got it. It cannot. The guy had the cool little blazer on with the little striped shirt and his poofy <laughs> hair, his fluffy, his fluffy comb. And listen, it was a hit. And it was probably one of the best songs that year. Hit number one. I think it was the first maybe three singles he had. It's a, it's just it was a great tune that year. It was it was for maybe more mature listeners, you know, a fourteen year old like me. But yeah. Uh, but I mean, listen, I can't deny it. It was a it was a killer hit that again got stuck in my head, and and then and people were da- and look, no one knew anything about what Rick Rolling was going to be in nineteen eighty seven, but <laughs> still, it's it's a it's a killer. It's a kitschy single. I think deserves deserves uh some spots people are, people are probably like you put that ahead of white steak um and george michael <laughs> but i think just for the i think just for the sense of history yeah. rick astley should get the props for how amazing that that song is and and what it did for uh what it did for um you know for uh uh pop and for him yeah. That year, when you had a, and let me tell you something. As, as we're talking, Scotty, the pop landscape that year was very competitive. It was, oh yeah, it was, it was, you know, doggy dog. And to slip that in there amongst all of the great pop stuff that came out in '87, as well as some of the rockier stuff, my number four is probably a song from an album that would have probably kicked the crap out of Rick Astley. But yeah, but he he look, he did it. He got it to number one. And you can't take that away from him. So I'm going to give Rick Astley his props. And at number five, never going to give you up. It was it was in my honorable mentions. I, I think you're absolutely correct in everything that you said. I think there are a lot of people who, probably not who listen to this show, I would imagine. But I think there are a lot of people who don't even understand or realize that this song had a life before Rick Rowling. Like you said, it was a number one hit. It's not like it, this was some, you know song at the end of an album that no one knew that all of a right, sudden exactly. took on life when YouTube, you know, gave it right. life. No, or com- this- or, right, or a comedy song or something that wasn't supposed to right. be taken seriously. It was a serious hit, you know. This was an actual, right, this was an actual hit, an actual song. And, you know, just the kind of the aura of Rick Astley, you know, you've got, first of all, his voice is just very different than anything else that you were hearing at the time. You know, right. I, the, the vocal, the vocal range that, you know, the deep, really deep bass voice, you know, the white Barry white, if you will, like, you know, the, just the, you know, the way that he hit notes, all, even that itself is sort of recognizable. You're like, Whoa, this, this doesn't really sound like the other pop songs. You know, this is what a, what an interesting voice this is. Right. And then, right. then you see him, then you see him and you're like, Oh, this guy looks like Bob Backlund, you know, but he's, <laughs> 
but, you know, but he's, he's putting out hits. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, yeah, that's like, great. But that's you know, awesome, man. That is awesome. But he's, he's putting out hits, and like I want to shout out "Together Forever" by Rick Astley as well because yes, good song, I, really good follow up, uh, you know, song. That's also a really, really good song, a really strong song, and sung well. So again, it was on my honorable mentions. I remember when the Rick Roll thing became a thing. I was in college when it happened, and so I was the exact demographic of people who were either Rick Rolling people or getting Rick Rolled. I definitely had witnessed many a Rick Rolling uh in my day thanks to this song so i have nothing but but respect for this song um i don't think it's it's by any means a song that should not be taken seriously because it is it is so much more than just a a meme and a song that you know you would you know bust into a you know graduation with just to play a prank on people in 2010 like you know this this song does have a a lot more than that and it, it should be respected um and so i love it i i I have no qualms about that being in your top five at all, because like I said, it might be the most recognizable song overall that we're going to talk about on this episode for better or worse. doesn't matter. It, it's a right. song that yep. pretty much everyone knows. Yep. So good. I'm glad you're not mad. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Again, completely different than my number five, but that's, that's what we want here. I, <laughs> I, I, I would I would think so. I would assume but, so. But but that's what we want. That's what I want. You know, again, I, I want something for everyone on this. And so um, you know, as I, I think as I get into my number five, you know, I my list gets a little bit more serious, right? We're talking about some real heavy hitters, some real Hall of Famers, right? Yeah. Coming up here. Um I really struggled with a certain band and a certain album that they put out because they their two of their songs could have easily been I think one and two for me and so I was really trying to figure out did I want to put them back to back did I want to spread them out just for the sake of not talking about them you know consecutively and and really trying to figure out and when I go back and I listen to these songs the five is probably too low for this song uh now that I'm thinking about it and, and talking about it out loud but that's where I have it and I'm gonna keep it there um but damn, just an amazing song off of an incredible album. And I'm I'm sure you will agree once I say it. My number five is With or Without You by U2, which is just incredible. I mean, just an absolute, like, a, it's like a perfect song. It, it, it's almost like if, if you know, I someone agree. said, hey, I want to, I want to write, um, you know, I want to write a love song. I want to, you know. This is pretty much what that song is. I, I mean, just the the lyrics, you know, I've, you know, done this and I've climbed these city walls and I've done everything I can only to be, you know, like, and with or without you is, is I, I don't know. It's just, it's almost haunting in a way when I listen to it and the way that Bono sings it, you know, like, especially when it gets into the chorus, like, man, it, it kind of starts off kind of slow. And then, you know, once you get into the with or without you part, it, it I mean, it really kind of builds up. It's like orchestral in that sense. And it's, yeah, I, I really just do think it's almost just kind of a perfect love song. And, and coming from a band, you know, you two who obviously has, has before that. And of course, after that has just put out so many sort of hall of fame, epic songs. This is, is to me, one of their, their best and, you know, one of their most recognizable for a reason, of course, but, I just absolutely love this song. Um, you know, I I just see myself sort of, you know, if, if your life is a movie, you know, I feel like this is on the soundtrack, you know, like that it's, it's that type of song. Um, and for someone like me who, you know, I'm just a sucker for, you know, give me a love song, give me something epic, give me something that I can sort of listen to and be transformed into kind of a story, you know, or, or try to relate it to a particular moment in my life. Like, 
there are moments in my life where this would be the song that was playing, you know, <laughs> like, and that's, that's, I think, a testament to you too, because I think they have a lot of songs like that, of course, mm-hmm. you know, as a band, but this one to me is, is absolutely just one of their, their best. And I, I love this song. I listened to it over and over again. Just the other day, I was like, let me go back and listen to it because I want to figure out where to place it. And I think I listened to it three times in a row and just restarted it after it played because to me, it's that good of a song. It's almost like when it ends, I'm like, I want more. I actually wish this yeah. was like a Guns N' Roses extended cut, you know, 12 minute, <laughs> you know, type of yep. thing because I want more of it. So, Absolutely love this song. May or may not be the the last time I talk about them tonight. Um, but yeah, you two, with or without you, my number five. Uh, I will be withholding comment. So. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. I, Sounds like you agree with me. Uh, more than you know. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Definitely. So let's go. Let's go right into your number four then, because I don't. All wanna, right. I don't spoil yeah. anything. All right. So my number four, uh, is. Another one of those seminal albums uh, that led into, I think, an even better album. But that's when these guys uh, hit the hit the ground running. Their first two albums were good. Uh, the previous album had one, I think, had one solid hit. Uh, actually, both albums had, I think, at least one hit. This is the album, obviously, that that kickstarted them into the 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 metal, but like chick metal uh, stratosphere. Um, this is probably my favorite song. Uh, yeah, I would say probably my favorite song in the album. So my number four is Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi from Slippery When Wet. Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, playing by the rules, I technically couldn't pick. We couldn't pick right. uh, Living on a Prayer because Living on a Prayer technically came out at the end of 86 because the album yep. came out, I think, in October of 86. And that's okay because no disrespect to Living on a Prayer, but that's another one of those ones like, um (laughs) love the song to death karaoke to death oh yeah i love wanted dead or alive i love the rhythm i love the lyrics no one had better i feel like no one had better stage presence than john bon jovi and richie sambora my favorite song in the album is not this though my favorite song is never say goodbye but um but this song is uh it's just amazing that the lyrics are amazing. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a song that girls like you could, you could dance to it. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it, it, it was the essence of how you need to take this band seriously folks. Uh, and, and then they follow that up with New Jersey, which I think is actually a better album, but, uh, but that album was perfectly encapsulated for Bon Jovi to go into the masses. Like, guys, uh, I'm going to give you songs that are going to blow your face off. Yeah. But girls, I have songs for you that guys are going to have to like if they want to dance with <laughs> you. So, and I think Wanted Dead or Alive is that, is exact, and Never Say Goodbye is that kind of song. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm a cowboy and a steel horse. I, it's all about being on the road. I'm a cowboy yeah. and a steel horse I ride. Um, you know, I've seen a million faces and I've rocked them all. I mean, it's just an amazing, just the story he's telling in the song is amazing. Yeah. Um, I just love the group. I love the groove. I love him and Richie singing back and forth. And I ride and I ride. <laughs> I just, oh, it's so good. Absolutely outstanding. Um, never turn it off. It was one of my like top 10 spot on my Spotify rap or whatever they did. Uh, yeah. that was, that was on my, uh, that was on my, my, uh, list of stuff I listened to a lot this year. Um, yeah, just a killer song. And uh, uh, 
it encapsulated what Bon Jovi was trying to do with that album. So my number four, Wanted Dead or Alive. Yep, this was my number eleven, my first honorable mention. I I, I, this, I love this song. I like you mentioned. <laughs> you mentioned you know. Um, I mean, pretty much half of Slippery When Wet has been butchered at karaoke. <laughs> you know, like, you a lot of times by this name. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of times by this guy. <laughs> you love a bad name is butchered at karaoke oh a lot. Obviously, oh living on God. a prayer. This, I've record. heard. I've I've heard terrible renditions of this oh song. My God. That's not that's not sung. Living on what's funny is Scotty living on a song. Living on a song. Living on a prayer is not sung. You're it's right. Screamed. It's screamed. Living on a bed. You're yeah. not singing. You're just drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like- <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And whereas this one is is like this song is sung, but it's like slurred. This is like uh, for me. This is always one of the last ones. Right? They call sort of last call. It's like two a.m. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, depending on where you are, I've been in some bars, you know, on in you know in the Northeast, it's four a.m. and they keep them open, and uh-huh. some guy gets up at you know three fifty-seven, and you know this is a song that he chooses, and so it's you know, and no, I'm saying you know, like you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's got I a like that three fifty-seven. That's awesome. Three. He's got a Molson in his hand. You're dead right you know? on that. Like, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a Molson always. Um, it's either that or when doves cry. <laughs> those are, those are <laughs> yeah. the songs you try to sing right before you, that or, you know, there's yeah, exactly. sounds like, oh, you're, man, you hit yeah. the nail on there. Particularly, and the fact you said Northeast Bars does it for me. That's totally yeah, right. It, yeah, totally exactly. Right. So, uh, but, but despite all of that, it's a terrific song and I still love it. Despite the fact that sometimes I can't separate it from some of the horrible renditions I've heard. I, I actually, I think it makes me appreciate the song more though, because I'm like, man, when done right, when done well, like this is a hell of a song. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, you know, we talked about obviously, you know, Bon Jovi on the last episode. Um, you know, when we talked about living on a prayer, and we talked about slippery when wet. So, yeah, this is just they they just kept the wheels turning. Um, you know, the hit wagon, you know, with this song, and and that continues for for a long time with them. So, yeah, yeah excellent song. Like you said, the story that's being told, like you can really sort of close your eyes and picture. Uh, you know what's kind of what's going on you can i don't know if a lot of people knew the steel horse was not an actual horse <laughs> but right uh either way yeah this is a song that that you can really you can just get into and really kind of you know if you sink your teeth into it you're like wow this is this is actually pretty profound you know the stuff that he's talking about and so yeah. it's it's not just a kind of it's not just a catchy song that doesn't really have a meaning you know it, it's it's catchy as hell but it also you know has a has a kind of a byline right and kind of kind of has something something you can listen to so yeah excellent excellent choice completely absolutely deserves to be in a top five um for 1987 and probably uh you know if we did a top 50 of the entire decade you know i you know this might this might crack it because and bon jovi would probably be on there (laughs) several times so classic band classic song can't go wrong with that absolutely all right, my number four. Um, talked about him earlier. He let off my list. This is this is my highest rated nineteen eighty seven bad song by Michael Jackson. Um, my number four is the way you make me feel, and this is a song that again everybody knows. Everybody loves this song. It's so easy. Everyone sings along. It's from the very beginning. The Hey Pretty Baby with the high heels on. To, to me, my this, to me, this is the epitome of okay. I have I I have a crush on this girl. I'm into her, and I want to express that. What do I do? This is that song. This is exactly. I mean, the music video encapsulate that. You know, is he stalking her? Maybe, but you know, he's just 
Is he following her around? Absolutely. Um, you know, he's following her around. He's, you know, he's singing it. He's serenading to her. If you haven't done this and practice, done this in the mirror or had this in your head that you're going to do this to your crush at some time, you've never had a, an accurate crush, my friend, if you're listening to this. So this is the this is the song that's like, okay, I have a crush. I need to try to get this girl. I want to impress her. What can I do? And And that, to me, is something we can all relate to regardless of gender, regardless of sexual orientation, we've all been in that situation. We've all felt that way. We've all wanted to sing this song to someone the way that he does and, and emulate what he's doing in the video there. So that to me kind of built it up, but it's also just a really great song. The lyrics are fun. Obviously, you know, vocal quality of Michael is there in this song. It doesn't, you know, he delivers absolutely on this song. So I, it, this is excellent. If I'm putting together, you know, a song one day of of optimistic sort of romance or optimistic crush songs this is uh, this is this might be the number one track because that's what it reminds me of and i think that's just a nostalgic feeling that we've all had and something everyone can relate to and when i hear this song sometimes i'm transformed back into middle school and like you know someone that you had a crush on and, and you're trying to talk to them and not really sure how to how to break the ice right or, or how to make that first move this is that song for me and so that's a, a feeling that you don't really feel as you get older as much. Right. And so it's kind of nice to go back and, and, and remember what it felt like to be, you know, 12 years old, having a crush on a girl. So that's what this song is for me. The fact that of course it's Michael Jackson, which means it's obviously going to be performed immaculately is why it got up to number four on my list. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I love that song too. Um, it's totally singable. Um, it's, uh, it's nice when when Michael kind of had that like he was trying to relate like listen we've all done it there's that girl across the classroom yep. um you need help kind of working it out I got your song for you uh thank you Michael you did us a service um <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah uh great song great song catchy uh total Michael um I think that was the you know, it's funny. You, I, I want to bring back something you said earlier when back when you were talking about Bad at 10. And you're talking about how Michael, how Thriller was much smoother still and kind of velvetier and 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 then Bad kind of hit the way you make me feel is for those who were like, well, this isn't Thriller. This is yes. Thriller. Well, here's your song. That's Thrillerish. Yeah. Um, is that is that uh, is that that song? Because. It goes back to Mike because this this song this song could easily be on Thriller. Oh yeah, um, and uh, it 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 had that very you know poppy sensibility for for Michael, and I think it was the one that was a little uh, a little uh, uh, softer for those that thought some of the other songs in the album were a little like Dirty Diana like would not be right. on Thriller. It wouldn't yeah. be on Off the Wall either. Yeah. Um, so I think I that's why I love that song. And that's a great pick because I feel like that kind of gave the thriller fans a chance to be like, oh, it's Star Michael. He's just he's being a little, you know, ooh. but this is the Michael I love. I want my thriller, Michael. And that's the, this is the song. And that's not a bad thing. Again, crazy like a fox, like George Michael. Um, yeah. Oh, you like I want your sex? Well, here's the album. But start from <laughs> the beginning and then here you go. So my, Michael did the right thing. He put in a song that had a little extra. uh a nostalgia from the previous few years yep. without without compromising wanting to be edgier um that i totally great pick i totally agree with you 
Yeah, that's a great that great that you brought that up too. It's exactly what it was. It was, oh, okay, you're upset that this is grittier. Maybe you're not a fan of this. I don't want to lose fans, so let me at least give them a little right, a little taste of of what got them here. Right. And, you know, and then you'll listen to the other stuff. And then again, that kind of goes into dangerous where you'll get, a, you know, again, there's a couple other stuff that's a little velvety, right? And it kind of gives you that thriller, but you're also yeah. getting something completely different. So, yeah, great, great, you know, kind of explanation there. The fact that you recognize that and called that out, I wouldn't even have thought of that. But yeah, that was excellent. So mm. I'm, I'm glad you, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. But yeah, terrific song. Yep. <sighs> Top three. Top three. All right. Number my number three. I was I have to I aired earlier. This is actually my second song from a soundtrack. Um, uh, And this one. uh, Again, maybe people will laugh at me, but maybe they won't, because I think a lot of guys love this movie just as much as a lot of girls love this movie. So I am not ashamed at all. I have the steelbook somewhere up here. Um. My number three is I've had the time of my life, Jennifer Warrens and uh, and uh, Bill Medley. Of course, it is the big song from Dirty Dancing. I'm telling you right now, folks. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Um, and if you don't like if you don't want to admit you you like Dirty Dancing. You're lying to yourself. Yeah. Everybody loves Dirty Dancing. It's an amazing. It's an amazing movie. It is. Um, and uh, I mean, it's Swayze, man. It's Swayze. And uh, no, it's a great, it's a it's an amazing and a great soundtrack. That Hungry Eyes. Yep. And yes, I almost, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Rick Astley was, was close enough. I couldn't put, I couldn't put She's Like the Wind. She's like I the wind. Not put She's <laughs> Like the Wind. I couldn't do it. Love that song. And my buddy and I used to sing it like crazy. I could not put it on here. Yeah. But I've had a time. I mean, that song, that made the movie. And uh, and people still sing it. And I think it's the movie. They did that terrible sequel. They probably shouldn't have even bothered. But <laughs> but uh, uh, it it opened up a lot of people to, you know, dancing that way that probably nobody thought about yeah. for years. Um, but it's just such a great song. Singable. Jennifer Warren's not many people know who she is, but yeah. man, she hits when she hits the right duet. She hits the duet. People, you know, her and Joe Cocker from an officer and a gentleman, what, six, five, six years earlier. So uh, I love this song. I love the Righteous Brothers anyway. So Bill Medley singing it. He's got that good kind of. Oh, yeah. It's a perfect, perfect voice for um, everyone. You must watch Dirty Dancing. It's just one of the most iconic movies of 87. So good. Great soundtrack. Great singing. Great dancing. Great acting. Um. And this song is kind of the, the the mark of it. So, yeah, um, it's not you know it's it, it's it's. I highly recommend it for those that haven't seen the movie or listened to the soundtrack. But this is my number three song. I am not ashamed. Nobody puts baby or the Scots in the corner, and uh, and it's my number three song. It this song is a it's a celebration, right? It is the sort of yep. this song is the culmination of some long arduous journey. And you finally yeah. hit that destination, whatever that is. And this is a, it's a celebratory song, right? This is a song that's, you know, you could play this at a graduation. You could play this after winning a sports championship. Like this is, you know, this is one of those songs that it really is. It's just a celebratory song. You know, it I've is. had the time of my life. 
doing whatever it is you're doing. It doesn't necessarily have to equate to a person or a romance, it, whatever it may be, you know, that you get joy out of. I've had the time of my life. This is a song that anyone can relate to. Anyone who's ever felt joy in their life, which is pretty much everyone except for, I don't know, Ebenezer Scrooge and even he at the end of that movie. <laughs> you know, like, so I mean, anyone who's ever felt an ounce of joy can relate to this song because that's yes. what this is. Um, yep. And all I picture is, you know, obviously the, you know, the classic, you know, the dancing and the the whole, yeah, the lift. Um, that's what I think of when I hear this song. And, yep. it, you know, it was in my honorable mentions, both this and Hungry Eyes were in my honorable mentions, because I also think Hungry Eyes is a great song that's sung really well also. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, like you said, you hit the nail on the head, the duet, it, it works, you know, some duets just work, right? Some voices just work yeah. well together. And, and yeah. there's it for this song. Like it was the perfect choice. You know, yeah, maybe you could have chased down and got bigger air quotes artists, you know, like a lot of the movies were doing, you know, this isn't, you know, a Kenny Loggins or, you know, some of the right. movies were getting, we're getting, you know, bigger, bigger stars for the soundtrack. But you know what? This didn't need it because nope. the song, this song sort of spoke for itself. And it's, it's, you know, this song with two other people, we may not be talking about it on this list, right? Because it just may not have had the oomph that, that it ended right. up having with these two. And so... Yeah, it's a great song. Really, it, to me, it's like instantly puts you in a good mood when you when you when you hear this song. It's like, oh yeah, I've had the time of my life. This is a great. And again, kind of builds up, starts a little, starts a little slower. You know, you really kind of have to get into it. But then when it gets to the I've had the time of my life, that's something that everyone can sing along to and everyone can relate to. And we, you know, have mentioned it. I think probably once an episode on this show so far is that the movies and the soundtracks in the eighties are just don't compare to any other decade of of movie soundtracks and movie songs i mean you've got this you've got footloose you've got top gun like and so many others like like it's it's ridiculous um and this is one of the top movies of the 80s and one of the top and and it's the top song from one of the top movies and top soundtracks of the entire decade not just the year so obviously it deserves a place this high on the list yep yeah totally totally uh your number three I My am, number, uh, yeah, very this curious. Is, this is so I, I had to I had to sort of bookmark it or sandwich it with Michael Jackson. This is my second U two offering of this list. And this is the one that I I just absolutely love. This song. Um, this is still haven't found what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, man, absolutely. Who who can't relate to this? Like I, I, you know, you've done all these things and yet you still haven't quite found it right you're you've done yeah, all these yeah. things on this journey but you know that there's more and there's still kind of that thirst for more i've climbed the highest mountains i've scaled the city walls i've done this i've done that i've been all around the world and yet there's still something missing and i'm still searching for something and i think that message is can, can kind of i i could see it coming off as negative but to me it comes off as just ambitious it's like i've done all mm-hmm. this stuff but there's room for more and I think yep. that's it's so that's very inspiring. And obviously mm-hmm. the way that they they perform the song and the way that Bono sings it is inspiring. It's just a really uplifting song and something that I, I find myself going back to over and over and over again. And you know, when I first started making this list, I was like, Oh, you two with or without you, there it is, top you two song. And then as I listen more and more to still haven't found what I'm looking for, I'm like, I think this might be the better song, which is crazy because I think with or without you is a perfect song. I said it earlier. And so, but I, I, I just absolutely love this song. I, I just really, it's really hard for me to listen to this once. This is one that I just like, all right, rewind, you know, hit the rewind button, play it again. I was, I was taking the the train to work 
last week and i just listened to the song like four times in a row i was like all right i've got two more stops i don't really feel like thinking about what else i want to listen to i'm just gonna play you know i'm just gonna run it back and play this one again and by the time you know i got to my stop i was like you know i hopped out and i'm like you know you're feeling all uplifted could you just listen to this song four times in a row and you feel like anything's possible and i i just think that's that's a hard feeling to get from a song is that feeling of invincibility and i think this song delivers that and Man, what just what a year for you two, and and just what I, I mean, this both of these songs are, are borderline perfect, and I, I wouldn't change them for anything. And I think either one of these songs, this or with or without you, could have been number one for me, and I and I wouldn't be mad at it. And if I made this list again next week, it one of them might be number one. So I, I mm. just speaks to the testament of this year um, as a whole yeah. and the music that was coming out is that anything on my top five, I think on any given day could be my number one. This one just slotted in at number three, but I, I just absolutely love this song. If you're listening to, to us talk about it right now, go listen to the song. Seriously. It's amazing. Yeah. If you haven't heard it before, I, I don't know how that's possible, but if, if that, if you haven't listened to it and if you've heard it a bunch of times, listen to it anyway, because I know that you like it because it's almost an, un- it's almost impossible to not like this song. So please go listen to it. It's my number three. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Um, In the interest of uh, time, uh, I'm going to envelop because I'm now going to give it away. I'm now going to envelop your number three with my number two. Uh, because we're going to put it together. So yep. my number two is uh, is With or Without You. I'm going to say this right now to all of you out there. And I know Scotty's already listened to it, so he he knows. he's. Pre- I know I'm preaching to the choir with him. If you have never, from beginning to end, listened to the Joshua Tree as an album, do it. Just do it. Michael said it with his Nikes. Just do it. The Joshua Tree is it's a perfect album. I mean, yeah. it's a perfect album. Every, a lot of people consider it the end of the, I, I heard it on U2X radio on Sirius XM the other day. Somebody said that the Joshua Tree was the end of their European years and the beginning of their American years. You could argue that, and that's fine. I, I have, I, I've listened to Boy, I've listened to War, I've listened to October, under a blood red sky, unforgettable fire. I've listened to all those. The Joshua Tree, those guys sat down and somehow sculpted an album of that moment. If there was any band, and the band I'm going to mention at number one, I think we all kind of know now. I kind of let the cat out of the yep. bag. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. If anybody captured the essence of how to put together a perfect Euro-American pop album they did with the Joshua Tree. From the opening track of um, Where the Streets Have No Name, that yep. uh, that totally long note that goes into the, and then <laughs> your song, and then your song, Street Where uh, Streets Have No Name, which is amazing. And th- th- I love the video of Bono walking down the street. And my buddy's, my best friend at the time, uh, my best friend at the time, his last name is Freeman, his last name is Fremont. So he loved wa- seeing him walk down the walk streets down of Old Fremont. Vegas and the Fremont Hotel pops up. He always <laughs> laughed. As a 13-year-old, he thought that was cool. Um, but seriously, In God's Country, Bullet the Blue Sky, it's it just transcends any pop rock of the, of the last 35 years. 
it's it's just an amazing let Daniel Lanois and and Brian Eno who did a hunk of U2's albums. I mean, those guys went in the studio and made, you know, what you could argue is a breakthrough, a breakthrough American album for a great Irish band. Yes, if you listen to, uh, you know, Boy and October and War and Unforgettable Fire, Under Blood Red Skies, a live album, I apologize for that, but it is a good live album. And the Unforgettable Fire, yes, very Irish sounding, very Northern European sounding. Good, still good, but still that very regional sound they had. When the Joshua Tree came out, a lot of us went, this isn't, this doesn't sound like, you know, Pride in the Name of Love. That was a very political sounding song for them and their Irish heritage and, you know, the Ireland, Northern Ireland, Catholics, Protestants, all that. This is different. This is different. And I think I like this different. And the album just, uh, it just speaks to you. Bono is just, and the Edge, unheralded guitarist, Adam Clayton, Steve, just great musicians. Scotty, I mean, it's, you just have to listen to it, everybody. You, li- not only do you listen to the two songs we're talking about, With or Without You, still haven't found what I'm looking for, just put the thing on and start. With that opening note to Where the Streets Have No Name, you're sucked in. Yeah. You're sucked in. Like Scotty said, I, that's, that's an album that I'll just loop. If I'm on a long ride myself, if I'm on the train going into the city, you know, I live in Southern Connecticut. Uh, that's an album I'll just hit and just close my eyes. Yep. And I'm good. Take me to wherever you're singing, Bono. I'm going on the journey with you. We're going <laughs> through the, the plains of Dublin and the Irish Hills or whatever. Fine with me. Uh, Scotty, I think we've, I think we did a great tribute to them as a band. Um, if you're a U2 fan, I recommend the U2X radio channel. And if you have Sirius, a Sirius XM. I highly recommend this to the U2X radio channel. It's really good. They play a lot of outtakes and crazy stuff like that. Live cuts and stuff. I think you and I hit the nail on the head. With, with or without you, uh, still haven't found what I'm looking for. Even where the streets have no name, unheralded cut, bullet the blue sky. Yeah. Um, just good. Just uh, I'm going to listen to it when we're done. <laughs> if I don't <laughs> listen to the album, I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Um, it's just that good. I mean, Scotty, there's not a bad song on the album. It's just that good. You're right. Yeah, I again, obviously, I concur. I, you said right at the beginning of 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 your your uh, dialogue there, you said it's like they sat down and said, you know, how can we make a perfect album? It's like they sat down and said, how can we take over the world? Right. Yeah. It's like they went into the studio and said, how do how do we become the biggest band on the planet? And then this is what was this is what it resulted in. And that's pretty much exactly what it did because from here on out, U2 was more than just a band, right? They, they were a spectacle. They, they were, they were, they transcended to being more than just a band. You know, I remember when I first really kind of heard of U2, you know, again, being a kid born in 1989, didn't really, you know, start listening to my own music until the late nineties. I didn't really hear about U2 until beautiful day. That was kind of the first song where it was like, okay, like and you know beautiful day came out in 2000 right so that's right in the middle of you know yeah 2000 you know your your battery boys and your britney spears is and your m&ms and just a lot of music that didn't sound like you two and i remember when beautiful day came out and and the album came out everyone would talk about you two like they were this thing that was really special and i didn't really get it 
I was like, I don't, I don't, why are they being treated almost like they're on a different level? Right. And I, I yep. didn't quite understand it. I'm like, why, you know, why are people so excited for this band? I, I don't, I don't, I don't, maybe I've heard one before, you know, I'm sure I'd heard it at that point. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but I didn't really get why they were held in such a high regard. And now I get it. Right. And then I went back and as I've listened to albums like the Joshua Tree and these songs, now, now I get it. And it makes sense. And now I can't. Right. And, you know, again, when you hear Beautiful Day and you're 11 years old, you're kind of rebellious and you're like, well, that's, that's not that good. I don't. Why are these guys, you know, why are these guys held up here? And the band I like, you know, you know, I don't know. At the t- Limp Biscuit. Like, why are they, you know, why why are mm-hmm. they down here? And, and you know, you two is, is, you know, the shit don't stink. Like, you know, why do they get that sort of, you know, right now yeah. I get it. And, and it, it's this album and songs like this where I can now go back as an adult and say, Okay, people were right in in going going nuts whenever YouTube released something. Like I get it now. I get why people, but why people would wait so long, right? Because you get a lot of, you know, a lot of artists who they just put stuff out back to back to back, and the quality's not great. YouTube waits, right? They 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 yep. crafted they you know they craft everything meticulously. They you know they're perfectionists in that sense, and so when it comes out, you know that it's flawless. And so I get it, and and I understand it, and so. I have so much now. Now I, I just am like, I am like, what an idiot I was as an eleven year old who didn't understand it. <laughs> because I, I get it now. I, you know, you, all you got to do is listen to it once. Like you said, listen to the album once, Joshua Tree, and and you'll get it. If you're a non believer, if you don't quite understand, do it, and you'll you'll get it. You'll come out at the end of that album saying, okay, this makes sense. It's like when when a, when it, it's like when a great movie comes out and everyone says it's great, and you go into it thinking oh, that's probably not as good as everyone thinks it is. And then you get to the end of the movie and you're like, okay, I, I, I see why it was, you know, so hyped yep. up. I agree. That's what, that's what U2 is. It's, you know, everyone's, oh, u is the best. Oh, are they though? And then you listen to it and you go, oh, they might be. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, the, that's totally. U2. That's Joshua Tree. So yep. that was, yeah, perfect. So my number five and my number three, your number two. So, I mean, obviously collectively we, we understand and we get it. <laughs> yes, totally. We get it. Uh, my number two, we also spoke about. Um, it's Starships. Nothing's going to stop us now. And number two. I, uh, You know, it just kept wow. climbing. I went back and listened to it, and it just kept climbing. Again, we talk about soundtrack and the soundtrack of your life. And, like, this is one of those songs to me that would be on the soundtrack of my life as well. Those, you know, nothing's going to stop us now. And if this world runs out of lovers, we'll still have each other. I mean, that's. I that's, love that line. That's young love at its finest. That's how you feel, you know, the first few times you fall in love you know is that's exactly how you feel again that invincibility of that's fine everything around us can crumble and fall but you know we're still gonna have each other and you know a great song from a good movie like it's mannequin's a good movie it's fine yeah it's it's solid yeah it's It's a good 80s fair it's not an oscar winner it's good 80s fair exactly you know know, better song than movie but that doesn't mean the movie's not good you know the movie's fine but yeah the the song's great um again another song that has both male and female vocals and it just works very well together Mm -hmm. um you know similar to like i've had the time of my life like it just you know this isn't technically a duet obviously because it's a group but you know Right. The, the female vocals and the male vocals, I feel like balance each other really well. It's sung really well, especially, you know, um, the, I, I think the second verse particularly for me is, is my favorite, you know, kind of part of the song. I don't know why that is. It just is. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And, you know, and we can build this thing, you know, together, standing strong forever. Nothing's going to stop us now. Like just the song that you want playing again, when you sort of, you know, 
drive off with the girl of your dreams. You know, you got her. There she is. You hop in the car. You're driving away. This is what's playing. You know what I mean? Yep. It's almost like it's like the end scene in Greece. You could you could have played this song at the end of Greece when the car. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. This song would have fit that perfectly as well. That's what that song is. And anyone who's listened to any of the eight episodes now knows that I'm a sucker for just a good love song and a good nostalgic feeling of first loves and first crushes. And because that's something that you can't, you can only really feel those things once or twice. And then you can't ever really feel them again. So any song right. that kind of puts me back into that zone where I can almost remember what it felt like, I'm a sucker for. And this this does that for me. And that's why it was able to climb all the way up to number two. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've, I've obviously I've already made my comments. It's it's a it's a killer song. Yeah, the move the movie's just good eighties fair. It's you know sure. it's, yep. it's it's good. It's it's fun to watch. If it's on, I'll leave it on. But I mean, I'm not gonna go. You know, it's not you know it's not the Godfather yeah. or anything. But I mean, you know, it's but it's it's a good cute little song and a cute little movie. And the song makes it watchable. Yeah. So that's another one with a scene. The song it, the song almost makes it worth it, right? Because you get to the end, you hear this, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm glad I watched this. I'm glad I still you know. Yeah, it, no, without I this song, you might be like, eh, I might, you know, I could probably do without this movie, but with the song, the movie actually becomes a must watch because of the song. Right, exactly. I agree with you 100%. You're totally right on that. Yep. So, made it all the way up to number two. So, all we have left are number ones. We kind of know where you're at. So, again, sir, the, the clock is on five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away. All right, here's my free bird. No. Um, obviously, obviously as, as deducing how we've, as the show has gone, my number one, uh, my number one song of 1987 is indeed welcome to the jungle. I'm going to probably say the same things that I did about Joshua tree in terms of amazing. Now this album's a little different. First of all, it's a, it's a, let's, let, let's, before we get into the song, I want to just get into the one thing I loved about 1987 was albums. There were some amazing albums in 87. In my opinion, the best album of the year, and it just nudges past Joshua Tree, is Appetite for Destruction. That's another album. Literally, put it on. No problem. Not one bad cut in the bunch. Um, well, probably couldn't listen to that in mixed groups like you could Joshua Never, Tree. Yeah. Appetite's got some... Uh, um, you know, people are like, is that banging going on in the middle of Rocket Queen? Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> but when you talk about solo uh, uh debut records, I have a there's a, there's a there's a rarefied air uh Scotty of amazing debuts by artists. <laughs> I look at the first Doors album. I look at the first Van Halen album. I look at Boston. Um and I look at Appetite for Destruction. No band literally came out of nowhere and melted your face off like Appetite for Destruction did. Um, my favorite song on the album was is uh, my favorite song on the album and my favorite song from them ever was Ineligible because it actually came out in 88 and that is Sweet Child of Mine. That's my favorite song, period, from them. But it came out in 88, so. Yeah. But Welcome to the Jungle, you mentioned football. My alma mater, University of New Haven, busted through uh through the through the paper to this yep. song. I think that I think everybody's football team did. I and guess so. <laughs> and if they didn't, they should. Um regardless of the drama 
that happened throughout the next several years. And like you said, once you get to, once you get to the illusions and, but when those guys were on, even Steven Adler, who sadly, you know, way too much heroin ended up, he ended up having to leave the band and couldn't play drums anymore, which is, which is really sad. Um, those guys went in the studio and just blew the building up. And when you hear that first, just like, like I said, for the, for the softer rock pop, yeah. uh, the, that first opening, that opening trail of, of, uh, where the streets have no name from Joshua Tree. When you first hear the what? And all of a sudden the building explodes. And that song, you want to talk about the perfect song to open an album with. Yeah. Holy crap. I, I gotta tell you, Scotty, there's not a lot of albums. There's a few Billy Joels, but there's not any, there's not a lot of albums I can honestly say that we talked about two of them. We already talked about one tonight. Uh, uh, to Joshua Tree, I could literally listen to Appetite for Destruction from beginning to end over and over again and never get sick of it. Yep. Never, never. Uh, Mr. Brownstone, Sweet Child of Mine, um, Paradise City, can't forget that. That was another one that came out in '88, so that one didn't count either. Yep. Um, but I mean, Guns N' Roses, they again. Here's a vacuum. Yeah. Kind of like Led Zeppelin in 1969. When the Beatles broke up, Janice, Jimmy, Jim died. Led Zeppelin filled the power vacuum of of heavy metal and rock in the early 70s. And then they owned the decade. Heavy metal in the late in the late 80s, yeah, you had Ozzy, but he was starting to, you know, he was, mm-hmm. he was, yeah. he was having plenty of his own, you know, substance issues. And a lot of heavy metal started to become much more niche. Um, and then, of course, after Guns N' Roses would come Metallica, who at that point already kind of had, I think, Master Puppets came out the year before, but they really didn't become main mainstream until And Justice for All came out, and then, of course, the Black Album. But when Appetite came out, you saw people like, wow, this is like heavy, but almost pop heavy, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense at all. This is heavy metal that guys with mullets and two-thirds quarter t-shirts, like my brother, like my brother. Uh, I, I just explained to you what my brother looked like in 1987. So, <laughs> so uh, he was 20 at the time. Um, so he was totally a metalhead. And but he didn't like uh he didn't like GNR like I did. Very weird. A lot of the it's crazy, Scotty. A lot of the diehard metalheads didn't jump on the GNR bandwagon immediately. Uh, guys like me did who, you know, I like Iron Maiden, a little Iron Maiden. I like Motley Crue. Um, I do like hard stuff, but that, I mean, GNR was like my, I think that was like the, that late eighties, my band for that preteen teenage starting years where heavy metal kind of went over your head. <laughs> um, but the girls were listening to Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. Um, we had a funny, my, my I went to a Catholic uh, grammar school, just a little background. And I had, you know, the guys, there was, I had 31 kids in my eighth grade class. So there was 19 boys and 12 girls. And uh, the girls were listening to Bon Jovi, even though we like Bon Jovi, and Debbie and Tiffany. And then the boys listened to Appetite for Destruction and uh, and License to Ill. 
Yeah. So it was a very, very eclectic uh, classroom for Catholic <laughs> school. Hilarious, right? But the Catholic school kids, crazy, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, but, dude, and I know you, you've already mentioned it as well. Appetite for Destruction is just one of those seminal debut albums that just blew the world up. And like, I, like I'm going to say to all of you listening, when I said it for the Joshua Tree, if you have never listened to a note of Appetite for Destruction and you are any kind of a rock fan, play it your face will melt and i know most most of you listening obviously are big music fans uh you probably have but listen to it again in case you forgot took the album cuts like i said the mr brownstones the my michelle and just just you know at my way your way anything goes tonight and of course rocket queen and the hits but welcome to the jungle just pulls the ripcord and sets you on a journey of Dirt, grime, scuzz, <laughs> the underbelly of the strip in L.A. that nobody wants to see. And uh, it's a life that probably they're telling you to avoid. Uh, it's a ta- it's a it's a it's a cautious it's a cautionary tale. Welcome to the jungle. Kind of like Fallen Angel by Poison. Similar song, similar, similar backstory. Yeah. So. Thank you. I, I I I give my time back to the chair. Uh, but I could do Scotty. You know me. I could talk appetite for hours. I know. It's just, I it's, know. Just a, it's just a, it's just an album that just stands the test of time. It really does. And it's first of all, thank you, thank you for that. That was incredible and well worth the wait of figuring out when <laughs> this was going to come up on your list. It's funny right. when. When I started the show, you were my first guest in 1980, and I remember at the end of that, after we finished recording, you said, hey, put me down for 1987. There's an album that came out that year that I need to talk about. And as soon as you said that to me, being, again, kind of the music lover and somewhat musical historian that I am, I went, okay, 1987 album. I went, is he talking about License to Ill? Is he talking about Joshua Tree? Is he talking about Bad? Or is he talking about appetite for destruction? And I was like, I, I know it's gonna. Knowing you, I was like, I know it's gonna be one of those four, but I didn't know quite which one. I, I I didn't know which one you were referring to in that moment. I don't know if you knew which one you were referring to in that moment. I don't know, <laughs> but it, it's nice to see how it sort of played out because obviously right. we both, you know, we have songs from all all those albums have been represented, you know, right. throughout this right. list, which are four of the biggest albums of all time, let alone <laughs> of of yeah. one year. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, so totally. again, just a, a complete testament. And I'll let you, you know, after I do my number one and we'll do some honorable mentions before we get out of here, I'll let you talk more about the year as mm-hmm. a whole. But um, my number one's not going to, I don't know that I can top that. Um, obviously, I had Welcome to the Junk on my list. So yeah, I can like absolutely love the song. It's funny that we both have the sort of, you know, the the Northeast football <laughs> backstory. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> School song. Um, man, right. they're not very... Uh, they're not very original in the Northeast. I know, no, no. Just an easy song to run on the field to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, you know, they're not, yeah, they're not breaking any any barriers doing that. No, but uh, no. My, my number one, interestingly, is from a band that we haven't mentioned. Uh, this is a song that I just remember the very first time I heard it as a kid, I fell in love with it, and I've loved this song ever since. Um, the song's actually a cover, too, which makes it even more interesting. It was a song that was covered multiple times before this band released it. This is a band that I have not had on my list yet although they're they just missed in 1986 they were an honorable mention of mine uh with a, another very popular song of them and it's 
likely that they will come up again, but this is my absolute favorite song by them. Uh, my number one is Alone by Heart, which is a song that I am, I just have a love affair with this song. Like, I, I, I think this song is Beautiful. just, it, it's a beautiful song. I think it's just incredibly sung. I think that they just do such a great job on this song. Uh, 1986, These Dreams. Um, love these love. dreams. Yeah, yep. like, yeah, absolutely yep. love these dreams. And it just missed my list there. Heart has so many hits. Heart, I think Heart is one of the most underrated bands of all time. I really do because I agree. They put out so many hits. I, I I used to call Heart the female journey in the sense that they had such so many epic sort of songs. Like their songs just have that epic sort of journey feel to it. Alone sounds like you know a, a journey song sung by females. You know, and then you know some of their other yeah. some of their other hits. Like they just have so many crazy on you, Bar- like Barracuda. Like Heart just has so many hits, and sometimes you don't you know and. A casual listener is like, oh, I really know that song, but I don't know who it is. It, you know, Heart has a lot of those songs. Where like, oh, I really like that song, but I, I don't remember who sings it. It, it might be Heart. If, you, if there's a song that you like and it's it's female fronted, it, it's probably Heart that sang it. If you can't remember who it is, just listeners, as you guys know, I just yeah. I think they're such an underrated band, and and this song particularly, like I, I mean, this song's been covered, like I said beforehand. This song's been covered after. This song's been sung to death by you know so many people. To me, there's no version that that even comes close to Hart's version. Um, just the way that it's sung. It, it, I mean, first of all, just the epicness. It, it it almost has that sort of, um, you know, sort of total eclipse of the heart sort of oh. epicness to it. Like that chorus when you get to the mm. till now. I always got by my, own, my you own. You know, I never really cared until I met you. When you get to that, it's it. You know, and then obviously the chills me to the bone. How do I get you alone? Like that has that that same epicness that you hear when you hear like the turn around and you get into the to the total cup to the heart i think it has yep. that that same epic feel to it which again i'm a sucker for that sort of epic feel i love don't stop believing i love living on a prayer those songs that are screamed and super played out i still love them because there's that epic quality to them and to me alone has that but without the overplayedness of those two Right, like right. those two, you're gonna hear at any every karaoke bar everywhere. Whereas alone is more kind of flies under the radar a little bit more. Not a song yes. you're gonna hear as much as those two, even though I think it's just as good, if not possibly better than those songs. Mm-hmm. And just absolutely, like I said, the first time I ever heard this song, I, I fell in love with it, and I've loved it ever since. And I kind of pretty much knew it would be my number one, just because I am just a huge fan of Heart as a band, and I don't Me think too. they get the recognition and the love that they deserve. And I knew that on my list. I would have them at number one because I think they deserve it. I think they deserve a number one spot and they're just not talked about when it comes to artists of the eighties and, and bands They they just don't get mentioned um, as quickly as they should. They should be mm-hmm. one of the first names out of people's mouths. If you're like, Hey, what's a successful band from the eighties who put out hits heart should, should come out of your mouth quickly. Totally. You know, we talked about another band like an Ariel Speedwagon and, and, you know, other ones that of course were, are going to come up right away, but I think heart needs to be mentioned in that same breath. And sometimes I think they're not for whatever reason. And so on my list, I was like, they are going to get the number one spot because I think they deserve it. And I think society has done a disservice on heart for whatever reason. And alone, it's just to me is their best song and it's the best song of the year. Uh, It's fun. <laughs> you want to hear something really great. And I, I, I'm glad you said what I think you said. See, it's total symmetry. I saw a triple bill, a live triple bill in 2008 uh, with my sister uh, up at the Mohegan uh, Sun Arena up in Uncasville. 
the triple bill was cheap trick. Not my, not the best cheap trick, uh, not the best cheap trick performance I've ever seen, but they were on it. <laughs> best cheap trick performance I ever saw was at Nassau Coliseum in 2012 with Aerosmith, which is also their best performance I ever saw them in. Um, Heart and Journey. And Journey. Yeah, I remember that tour. I remember when they, they came out with that. Yep. Yep. Uh, cheap trick was off that night for some reason. I don't know why, but they were. Um, Heart killed it. Killed it. They are so good live. They're just great musicians, that band. Um, and I think Annie's got an amazing voice. Amazing yeah. voice. And I agree with you. I feel th- I feel like I totally I, I am totally banging the drum for your for your opinion. I totally think Hart gets disrespected. I yep. totally agree with you. I feel like they get lost in the show. You know, it's kind of like Chicago. I'm a big Chicago fan. Yeah. And I feel like Chicago gets the same. Oh, they they sold out, and now they do pop songs. They want to make money. That's the point. But I mean, <laughs> they ha- you have to adapt. I'm sorry, you have to adapt. And I love Chicago's '70s horn stuff. I love Saturday in the Park, twenty five or six to four. But they had to adapt, and they did killer love songs, and they were awesome. Heart had to kind of evolve a little bit. Um, out of the crazy for you magic. Magic Man, Barracuda yeah. years, which are, I mean, Ma- I mean, those are amazing songs. And those are late seventies. Those late seventies albums are very, very earthy, um, but good for them. Good, but it's because it's, but it's got a totally got that Pacific Northwest earthy sound, which was good for them. But they hit the eighties and they realized eh, earthy's not going to fly anymore. We need to be a little more decadent. So what do we do? And the songs are just bad animals. Great album. Mm-hmm. And and then the, uh, this album is just it's just they knew what to do, you know. They had the sex appeal, you know. Annie Anne had the killer vocals. Nancy could shred, and she was gorgeous, so that didn't that didn't hurt. And uh, they just knew what to do. And I agree with you. I feel like of all that pop in the eighties, like we're sitting here, and you know what's sad, Scotty, when we talk about female artists in the in the eighties. We talk about Tiffany and Debbie Gibson, and we're kind of giggling about. I think that if you ask anybody from the 80s, name me the best female-led band or females of the 80s, Hart won't get mentioned first. I know. I do. Well, it, it probably Madonna, who we didn't talk about tonight because she didn't have an album in 87, but yep. probably Madonna, maybe Whitney at that time, but Whitney became a – she became yep. amazing. But I think when you think of like Poppy Poppy, I think Tiffany or Debbie Gibson get mentioned before Hart, and that sucks. Yep, you know, agreed. Uh, it's 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 they they filled a hole that the pop that the hot pop part of pop in the mid to late eighties needed, and I think they get forgotten because. When you think of women in the 80s, the, the best hot female artists of the 80s, mm-hmm. you think of Madonna, you think of Whitney, and you think of Janet. They're like the first three. But then when you think of like softer pop, Tiffany and Debbie Gibson, before you even think of Hart. And I would put Hart. Now, Hart, I wouldn't put Hart with Madonna, not because but they couldn't hold a, I mean, they could, they would totally hold a candle to them, but it's different music. So you don't think about them because they're kind yeah. of like this. And that's fine. That's fine. Whitney is not Ann Wilson. Madonna's not Ann Wilson. That's the that's not the point. The point is, is that 
they gave uh, the female voice in the male-dominated genre. And I don't think they I thought anybody thought they had the guts to do that. And they came in and they killed it. And alone, now it chills me. My friend used to, when you sing about karaoke, my friend would go, he go, and it chills me to the bone. And he points to her to their arm. Chills me to the bone. <laughs> it's so it's so funny. But dude, I am I I well played. Well played. Heart totally gets forgotten and it sucks. And they they need they need they deserve their spot because those girls and that, that band worked their asses off, dealt with a bunch of record label politics crap in the late yeah. 70s, early 80s that kind of left them out of the cold. And then they came in and went, oh, we got to change things a little bit and alone and never. Never is a great song. Love never. Uh, these dreams. All I want to do is make love to you, even though Dan Wilson hates that song. Um, it's just they just knew what they were doing at that moment. I I am I applaud you for putting them number one because they they were there for the artist for the artists that would that would hit that mark like Alita Ford and and told women you could you could have an edge you don't have to sing in malls if you don't want to you yeah can, you can have you could you could shred and have an edge and yeah. they did that so I I applaud you sir that great pick. They deserve it. You're right. Totally. Now I feel bad. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, uh, no, they're amazing. No, they're totally, totally love, uh, love that pick and, and heart definitely. And, and I saw if, if you've ever seen them live and I think they, I think they still tour. I know I they weren't so. speaking. Yeah. I saw, yeah, this was 2008 and they, they killed it and they always play Zeppelin. I'm a Zeppelin guy and they always play Zeppelin on their, on their shows. Cause she love, uh, and loves singing Robert plant. So, um, Yeah. I totally, I got you, man. I'm behind you on that one. That's awesome. Good pick. All right. Yeah. God. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, both of our number ones obviously are, are worthy choices and I'm glad that we, I was able to shed some light on heart and I'm glad that you agree. So yeah. if you're listening and you're a heart hater, stop it. Cause you're secretly not. <laughs> yeah. You're secretly not, you know, you no. enjoy them and yes. they deserve the recognition. So yes. um, man, that's it for our list. I mean, this is, this was, Man, I, I say this you. obviously. I say this every episode, of course, but just, just, I mean, hit after hit on our list here. I mean, there, there was nothing that was undeserving. Um, nope. Let's quickly get into some honorable mentions that maybe weren't mentioned. I'll, I'll go first. Um, I had "Here I Go Again" by White Snake, which of course we talked about. I had both of the songs from Dirty Dancing, which of course we talked about. I had "Never Gonna Give You Up," which we talked about. I had "Wanted Dead or Alive." which we talked about. And then the three that we, we haven't talked about. And the first one, this is just more of a, a personal nostalgia pick because Mm -hmm. uh, growing up, my mom is, is one of the biggest share fans out there. Um, And so, I mean, I grew up literally listening to Cher's greatest hits and Mm -hmm. I completely love that album because it has, you know, the 70 stuff and it has, you know, even has believe like, you know, you get, you get a little bit of everything. But in 1987, she, found herself on a little bit of a musical comeback after you know getting into the movies and she wasn't really doing music for a little while um she covered a song um i found someone um yes and i love i just love the way she sung it share i just love her vocals on on i found someone um so i i wanted to add that on there that's more so for my mom um but i do really enjoy that song uh, another one is heaven is a place on earth by belinda carlisle um which is kind of an interesting like pop 
song that sounded a little bit different mm-hmm. than everything else that was going on, but it's very recognizable. You know, I think a lot of people know that, you know, heaven is a place on earth, you know, they right. say in heaven love comes first. That really, really catchy song um, that I wanted to recognize. And then of course, the one that I am maybe a little bit, a little bit shocked, not, not with us. I think, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think we have a, a pretty good gauge on each other's musical taste, but I think if, if we're someone else sitting in that seat, that's likely would have been in the top 10 and that's, I want to dance with somebody by Whitney Houston. Yeah. Which again, it, to me suffers from a little bit of overplayed. Like that, mm-hmm. to me, that song's very overplayed and it's at, throughout the years, I find myself listening to it and enjoying it less and less because of the overexposure. Um, and so I, I definitely think that, is why it didn't crack my top 10, but obviously should still be recognized. It's one of her biggest hits, of course. And so, and obviously still a great song, just a little overplayed for me, which is why it only landed into my honorable mention. So that's all I had. Uh, my honorable mention, I, I had, I also had, I want to dance with somebody. Um, I actually had the other, uh, I had another hit from that white snake album, still of the night. Uh, I love yep. that song. Um, I had still have found what I'm looking for. And uh, I actually had, uh, I can't believe, uh, this one was hard. Um, I really wanted to put it on there because I love the album. Um, but I put uh, Need You Tonight by by In Excess. Yes. Um, I, uh, that album, that's Kick. Uh, that's another one of those weird transcending albums. Yeah. Um, I love that song. And I love New Sensation too. But I that was on my I just just missed it. If we could do a top forty of nineteen eighty seven, <laughs> I could do everything. But yeah, in excess, just missed it. But that's a great album as well, and, that, and that's a great song. Albums. Yes. Um. So yeah, I, I so those are those were my honorable mentions. A lot of them were extensions of the other albums, but um. Uh. I almost put, and I'm not a big fan of hers, but I almost put "Rhythm Is Gonna Get You" by Gloria Stefan, but. She's not one of my favorites. She's sure. she's one who overall got played to death, my opinion. But um, I agree with you on Whitney, and I love Whitney. I love Whitney. Whitney deserved to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame much sooner than some other female yeah. artists did, in my opinion. But that's a song, yeah. Almost like, uh, um, what was the other song? Um, uh, the other the other song where she's got the gray dress on, and it's, it's from the other album though, but. Oh, I can't think of it. Ah, I can't think of it. I can't believe I can't think of it. But, um, yeah, MTV kind of, as much as MTV was such an asset to us in the 80s, it was also a liability <laughs> for a lot of songs. Yeah. And and a lot of the pop ones, the Whitney's, the Madonna's, I think got kind of burned out. Um, Like yeah. radio did to, like my friend said, what radio did to Hotel California, MTV did to a ton of good yeah. pop songs because you're like, oh, my God. This was just this again. Uh, it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, oh my god, this was just on at two thirty. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like because I when I was a kid in the summertime when it was rainy out, I would leave MTV on literally all day, and yeah. probably was not good because eventually you get repeats. But anyway, yeah, those were those. So those were some of the the honorable mentions I had. Yeah, and oh, yeah, terrific. Especially need you tonight. I mean, that you talk about a, a song that's recognizable and that everyone knows. Even people may not know who it is. But that's one of those songs that when you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's yes. that's such a good song. Yeah, it's yes. a great honorable mention. So that that's it for honorable mention. So I just let's take a few minutes here. Um, I want you to just 
I, I know that again in in preparation of this leading up to this you mentioned that you know 1987 is in contention for the greatest year of music of all time and if you want to expand on that for a couple minutes here by all means the floor is yours because this was again this was the year that you chose and you know you said 1987 put me down you know i need to talk about that one so and obviously we've given you know i don't know what we had a couple repeats but we've given you know 15 or 16 examples of, of mm-hmm. why it was so good but again right. there were things that we didn't even talk about or had time to get into right that we, we could have for this year so you know yeah. what is it i guess you know for you where you felt like this might be the greatest year of all time when it comes to music i think for me scott i think um a lot of it was what was what was happening in my life at that time i was i was in eighth grade so i was you know i was in the class with the big kids on camp thought somebody was attacking me um you know, the big kids on campus and I was, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I was graduating from grammar school. I was going into high school. So that was a big summer for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just, the songs marked my time, like my life. Like I was, you know, it was, I, it was actually that was 1987 was my first kind of moderately steady girlfriend. So mm-hmm. the songs fit the way you make me feel. You hit the nail on the head with that one, my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, and that summer we were all hanging out. We all had great summers together because we were all kind of splitting up a little bit from my grammar school because I went to an all boys high Catholic high school and the other, you know, the girls went to the girls high school. So that summer of 87 was big for me because we were all hanging out. We were all a big crew and we all did things every morning. We went and played ball and we went and hung out at the, you know, at the beach. Cause I live, my, my hometown is on a beat is at the beach. And, you know, we went to the movies a lot. It was, that summer was just amazing. So a lot of the songs from 1987, just, just make me feel very nostalgic about kind of my coming of age as, as a teenager. So, they'll always be special to me. The license to ills. Uh, I have a great story for the license to ill fans. Um, Me and two of my buddies would sit in the back of the room very low when we would have like study hall or a class where we weren't talking. And one of us would pick a beastie boy and we would all sing Paul Revere. (laughs) So that was, yeah, you know, you had to be very, very quiet when you said I did it with a wiffle ball bat, but, um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, so for so for me, Scotty, just nineteen eighty seven just was a year of growth for me as a person and as a as a teenager entering high school. Uh, it just marked time for me. I feel the same way about another year that uh, maybe I'll do if you if you don't mind. Uh, for me is nineteen ninety one because I was a senior. I was a senior in high school going into college. Uh, I don't have as much. I do have memories of that year, not like nineteen eighty seven, but it's a similar thing. I was kind of bridging my life. I was going to college. So, uh, uh, that's a big Jesus Jones year for me. Don't ask me why, um, <laughs> right here, right now, gets stuff in my head. And that's a story that I might tell you all off air, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so night for me in all seriousness, 1987 just was a year for me as, as a, as a, as a boy becoming, you know, as a teenager and, and being around girls and kind of getting into that, you know, I'm getting into high school. So I'm kind of gaining a little bit of, little bit of a of a of a of a confidence um and we just i mean we used to sit at the pool and again we sang we blasted all these songs we played faith we played uh alone by heart we played guns of roses we played janet we played whitney we played uh you know uh beastie like it just aerosmith like 
we just took everything from that year and just made it part of our, our lives. And, and I'm sure a lot of people are like that, that, that music just marks time for you. Um, you know, I have songs that remind me of past relationships. Like I have, I have, a, I usually have one or two songs that reminds me of each girlfriend I've had, yeah. um, you know, and 1987 was like that. Like I, the girl that I actually started, you know, going steady or whatever the term is back in 1987, uh, we were at a dance and another song that I don't think was technically part of our year. Cause I think it came out in 86 um, was crazy for you uh, by Madonna, which might've come out even earlier than that. I, I think yeah. it maybe, maybe it came out in 85. Cause I think it was on the vision quest soundtrack. Um, and that song always has nostalgia for me. Cause it's the first song I danced with her uh, to. So it's stuff like that. That kind of gets that, that just reminds you of a, gr- of, of a great time in your childhood. And the time we live in now, sometimes it's yes. better to be nostalgic, you know. <laughs> so uh, that's why I picked 1987. That's why that year means so much to me, and that's why I love. That's why I kind of have a special soft spot for a ton of the uh, of the songs of the albums that came out that year. And that's why I really wanted to to do this episode with you because I really wanted everyone to know what an amazing year it was. And because a lot of people, when they think of the 80s for music, 1981 and 1984 always come to mind. But I think 1987 deserved uh, deserved its own platform. And again, Joshua Tree, Faith, uh, Appetite for Destruction, Permanent Vacation. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just it, it it just marked time for me uh, as I was heading into high school. So I just wanted everyone to know what an amazing year it was for music. Because again, when people think of the 80s, they think 81 because of MTV and 84 because 84. Yeah. So. That's why I just wanted people to to see what and I'm sure everyone listening has songs from certain years that most people go, oh, it's just another song. But to you, it has a different it has something special attached to it. So that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this year. And I and I thank you for for uh, inviting me back on. I appreciate it. I love this show. Um, and uh, I, I would be uh, I would be so inclined to to join you uh, in the 90s. Um, uh so, you know, maybe no Hanson. So don't pick me for 97. Um, so. <laughs> I might I might have to do 97 by myself because I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can do 10, just 10 for 97 for me. That's a big year for me. So. so anyway, but that's why I just it's just an amazing year for me in my life. And I wanted to kind of share that with everybody on, on why that year was just amazing in so many ways. Um, musically for me as well. So. Well, I think you, I think you more than accomplished your goal there. Um, so thank you for, thank you for, you know, enlightening us and, and, you know, really sharing experiences and, and stories with us. I, I, that's, I mean, you know, this, obviously you've been doing this way longer than I have, but that's what's so great about podcasting, right? Is you're just, you're just sharing stories and memories with people on topics that you guys are both passionate about, you know? And so, I mean, that's what that is with that said too, you know, First of all, if you're listening to this and you're enjoying it, please go back and listen listen to everything we have up until this point. Obviously, we've gone from 1980 now to 1987. Um, and we're not going anywhere. We're going to get into the late 80s and then the 90s. And, you know, we're going to continue to go probably until the late aughts, baby. Because after that, I don't know that I'm going to get any guests for, like, 2013. <laughs> like, I, you know, so, you know, and 
You got to start calling Swifties, uh, Scotty. Yeah, exactly. Start calling so we'll, the Swifties. We'll, we'll see what happens when we get there. But maybe um, Travis if, Kelsey will come on. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Also, if we uh, he's second on my on my wish list. Uh, number one's your PIC. I gotta I gotta get I gotta get Mr. Rosero. Oh yeah, point. yeah. I, I, I got get some him good for, I got some good years for you to to call him on. Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah, we'll talk get, about I that. Want, I'll help I want to get him on. in the nineties for sure. Um, yeah, some, sometime in there yep. definitely. But. Uh, you know, if you did enjoy listening to this, also, of course, thank you for listening. But listen to everything else um, that Mr. Piscolo does, um, particularly if you're a wrestling fan. Um, you know, go listen to the main event. Main event is excellent. Go listen to Through the Looking Glass. I love Through the Looking Glass. Um, thank you. Know, you. Scott and, and, yeah, they, they do a great job on that show. I, I love listening to just the alternate universes. So go listen to that. Um, thank you. Listen, listen to Making Towns, which is new. Um, new, but very, very exciting. Um if you ever, if you, in the lexicon at some point, you get to Albany, New York, let me know, because I'd love to be on that episode with you. Um, and we can certainly make that town, because do it. We'll surprisingly, do it. there's been a lot of great things in the world of wrestling that have happened in Albany, New York. And yes. There's a lot, there's, so I think we could really come up with a great um, a great list we'll of things. We'll get you on. Um, for cool. Albany, New York. Definitely yes. really excited about making towns. It's very, very cool. So if you're yeah. a wrestling fan, particularly, go listen to Scott. But even if you're not, go listen to some of those shows because these guys never stay on topic. <laughs> they never talk about just one thing. So, I <laughs> no. mean, you know, yeah. So there's, there's something I always say, like, even if you're not a diehard wrestling fan, there's always something for, for yeah. you to listen to on these shows. So please go listen and subscribe to Place to Be Nation, North South Connection, you know, everything that, that these guys are doing uh, because it's great. And I'm probably going to go listen to, you know, something right now uh, that they did because I think I'm pretty much caught up. But I, that's the other good thing about Place to Be Nation is there's always something. Every day something new is released. Yes. And so there's always something to listen to. So please go subscribe to them. Um, and until next time, uh, thanks for listening again. And we'll see you in 1988.